Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Not that hard, okay? All right, get the out of here. I'm going to talk a lot about drills and fundamentals. Watch it, watch it, watch it, watch it! On 93.5. Watch it! And 107.5. Boom, baby! The Fan. Kevin, it's perfect out, right? Can we just say that? Like, how much easier is it to get up and come in here and do the show today than, like, January 8th? Yeah, I've been, like, uh, I've been rocking, haven't even sniffed, obviously, any sort of jacket situation, but I do feel like we're approaching that time where uh, my armpits will be sweating by the time I get to the car. Okay. That, That wasn't really where I was going with that, but it is a gorgeous morning out, right? And then, of course, I always think about this, and I don't know, maybe it's a lot of just weather. Are, are you a spray-on deodorant guy or roll-on deodorant guy? Uh, certainly a roll. And and you go the clear or the white? Uh, clear. See, I wish I could do that, but I have some allergy to it. You, you go with uh, the scented? Like, it's 94 on Saturday. Can you imagine this last week? Oh, man. Yeah. That'd be rough. How many? What's the percentage of the 330,000 people? inside of IMS that wait to see the weather before they commit to going? Like, how many of 20. the 330,000 would have said no if it was 94 on race day? I don't know if it's that as much as, like, if there was, like, chance of rain, people like, yeah. But 94 is rough, man. I mean, you're that's a good call. I mean, 94, it's got to be one of the hotter 500s ever, yeah. if that would be the case. I mean, it, you're right. It would be, it. you know what the... It's not the heat, it's the humidity. Like yesterday, there were a couple of times where like the you get kind of that, like you can almost feel the moisture and the sun coming through, and it's just, ugh, it's just gross, right? Yeah, June 1st today, it feels or is going to feel a little bit like mid-July. I like that I like that uh, Old Spice Fiji. Do you, do you use that one? No, I, I just use... Excuse uh, me, Mark? That's what I use. You use my Old Spice Fiji? That's disgusting. Is it Arctic Edge? I, I I kind of forget. Anybody want to sponsor this segment? Arctic Edge. I, I believe is that a Right Guard product or is that uh, Old Spice? I think it's Right Guard. Now Right Guard has what's the one with the green and the yellow? That's a, that's a nice scent too. Good Something Thursday fresh. morning to you. Sport Fresh. Kevin Bowen, Jake Quarry. Graham is on the ones and twos. Graham from UND today, uh, taking a turn on the ones and twos as Mark Dykton observes very closely. Uh, Alan Carpet going to join us here very early. We've got some Purdue chatter, of course, to get to. Um, he's coming up around, was that 745, Mark? 730? Yep. 745 for Alan Carpet And Scott Agnes at 9 o'clock. Uh, easily the biggest draft prospect so far uh, to work out for the Pacers coming in town today as we are three weeks away from the NBA draft. We are about 13 hours away from the NBA Finals. And Jake, last night, uh, they were throwing them back at Harry's in West Lafayette, right? Yeah, it was uh, later in, in into celebration. The I should say, not Correct. sorrow. Uh, it was later into the evening when it was announced that Zach Eady will, in fact, return to Purdue. I don't think that was a huge surprise. Although I do think people maybe were sweating a little bit the longer that we went. Um, I feel like I was waiting for like a Purdue Iowa game to start at nine o'clock last night. Bigger question is: Does he go back to back as a Wooden Award winner? You know, I thought the stat was pretty interesting. It certainly makes sense. Um, 
we had, I think it was a 13-year run there where the National Player of the Year did not return to school. And now, thanks to extinction is too hard of a word or is too critical because look at Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid but with how big men are typically used in today's NBA and the arrival of NIL uh, we've got now back-to-back years where the National Player of the Year has returned to school it was Oscar Shibway at Kentucky last year and now it's Zach Eady at Purdue this year yeah Jake I mean you, you kind of felt like or you just assumed and maybe this is just how given, like, how Edie's wired, and again, the fact that he wasn't getting a first-round guarantee, or at least you didn't think he was, that he would return. But boy, he certainly took this up to the final couple of hours there. Um, and I don't think this is going to be an issue, but I do think it's something you bring up every time you see a guy flirt with the NBA for as long as Edie did and then return to school. Does he change his ways at all? That I'll be curious to see if Matt Painter incorporates. This is what's going to be very intriguing and interesting to watch, Kevin. Purdue has... Matt Painter, I think, has a very set and defined and clear... Those are all three synonyms, I realize. The style of what he wants Purdue basketball to look like, Okay. And I do think that Purdue does not want to get caught up in, and Matt Painter has made a concerted effort to not necessarily, from a recruiting standpoint, get caught up in the pay-for-play, even though NIL's changed that, right? But like, hey, I'm going there to help help get me to the league. I think Matt Painter is still one of those kind of old-school coaches where it's like, no, if you come here, you're going to play for Purdue. Yeah, I don't see very uh, many false promises being handed out by Matt Correct. Painter. Correct. And so a compromise of that would be, listen, we are not, you're not coming here to get like the biggest NIL pocketbook or whatever, even though they now, Zach e- what I'm getting at long-winded here is, I think Zach Eady now has the opportunity to display for Matt Painter the proof that, listen, if you are that kind of player, we can make it work for you here at Purdue. We can get you some NIL money, and in addition to that, all, if he works it in, I'll work some things within our system that allow and showcase you to show what you can do to prepare you for the next level. I don't think that they're going to go full on. Thomas Bryant, when he came back in Indiana, the question mark was, could Thomas Bryant shoot the three? And I thought Indiana, Kevin, got a little bit handcuffed by the fact that Tom Crean basically said to Thomas Bryant, like, cool, shoot five threes a game. And it came out of the structure of their offense. Right. I do think that Edie has shown enough flashes outside of the lane in terms of like his shooting ability. I don't think you need to do it on every set, but are there times where Painter is going to orchestrate within what they want to do offensively to use Edie away from the basket a little bit just to give him the chance to show that, yes, in fact, he can do that? If they do that, and if it's within the scope of their offense, then that allows Painter to then go to future recruits and go, hey, if you have NBA skill, you can showcase it at Purdue. You don't need to go to Arizona, Kentucky, and Kansas. So it's, it's a unique opportunity for Purdue as well, to be honest with you. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting angle that you bring up, Jake, because while Thomas Bryan and Tom Crean catered a little bit more to what the NBA opinion was on him or what they wanted to see more of, you know who didn't do that? Mike Woodson, Trace Jackson Davis. 
Like Trey Jackson Davis did right. sniff shooting perimeter jumpers right. after flirting with the NBA. And publicly, both parties, I think Woodson and Trey Jackson Davis made some comments like, yeah, you know, we're going to explore a little bit more perimeter oriented stuff and, you know, maybe shooting shots that are whatever, 15 feet and longer. And IU never went. So credit to those two for realizing this is a damn good college basketball player. Don't mess with it. <laughs> like that sort of feeling. If it comes in the general flow, if it's 1-3 every game, I, I maybe Edie will do that. I, Matt Painter strikes me as the last coach that would bend over backwards to all of a sudden catering to whatever NBA scouts potentially desire in a player. But that is something I think that, again, anytime you have a guy flirt with the draft for as long as Edie did, it is a question. I think you have a couple of trickle-down questions off of this Edie decision. What happens with Trey Kaufman, Rand, and Caleb first? You know, both were five-star recruits. I also think both were five-star recruits that aren't necessarily wired like five-star recruits in that they both played for, you know, 2A and 3A schools in the state of Indiana. Um, Both have been very content, seemingly, with their roles at Purdue. I mean, Trey Kaufman ran redshirted as a freshman. How many five-stars do you see do that? But do they both want to stay there for another year? And maybe it's more Kaufman ran than first, but I think that is a question that you have to have for Purdue. Uh, And then on the flip side, if you want to go down to Bloomington, now that the draft deadline has come and passed, and yes, Jalen Huchifino and Trace Jackson Davis are in the draft for good, but IU still has a scholarship to play with, do they benefit from any of these guys going back to school or vice versa? Like in Purdue's case, again, Edie comes back. Does Purdue now have a subtraction from a guy that maybe was saying to himself, hey, I was going to hold on and see if Edie was going to declare, but now that he's coming back, I might explore my options. Does that happen at any other schools around the nation? And does IU kind of enter the fray there for a guard or a shooter? That is where I think Indiana could benefit here. Yeah, it's, um, you know, there's only been one Wooden Award winner that has won it twice. Mark, you know who that is? Is Mark still here? Did he did he quit? I haven't started drinking yet. <laughs> Kevin, you know? Give us a decade. 80s. Uh, here's your hint. This guy was, I mean, in college, he was thought to be Victor Webamyama, basically. Samson? Yep. And then in the pros, he was a really good player, and then it kind of fell off quickly. Ralph Samson, yep. I mean, we saw last year Sheboy going back to school. He obviously did not win it. Zach Eady was, I mean, I, there's no reason why Zach Eady won't be as dominant as he was last year. Uh, you know, certainly Purdue brings back. Pretty much everybody besides Brandon Newman. Does how it ended this year hurt Edie's chances of being a national player of the year next year? In other words, if he has the same level of dominance, are people going to look at it and go, yeah, we saw that last year? I I just feel like it's hard to argue against the numbers. I know there is kind of a don't vote for the MVP again. Like There is that sort of thought process from voters. but Like Carl Malone was a more valuable player than Michael Jordan? Yeah. (laughs) I mean... It, Jake, it is a reminder, and I know Purdue fans, you know, are celebrating today. But you know, I thought to myself last night, the final six minutes of that Fairleigh Dickinson game, they didn't shoot a single two point shot. Yeah, you know what? Do they, they, there's more of a bullseye on them? Obviously, preseason they have a great non conference schedule. They're in Maui. They're you know playing Bama north of the border. All of that. Um, but just stylistically, you know, do they play better off Edie? Do they hit more of the open shots? I mean, they should theoretically continue to get open shots based off the presence that Edie commands. So we'll chat more about that with Alan Carpet coming up in a few. 
I did think, and Jake, welcome to 2023 college basketball. If I have this right, I think Purdue basketball retweeted Edie's tweet announcing his return. Um, Run it back, I believe, was the caption there. He had the Wolf of Wall Street gif that is very popular for these sorts of announcements. And the next tweet was Purdue basketball retweeting their NIL store. I saw Celebrate that. Zach's return and that. show your love. Yeah. All ED merchandise, 15% off for a limited time. There is Zach is back shirts. So welcome to college athletics in the year 2023. Here's a, here's a little trivia question for you, Kev. You ready? Yeah. Having nothing to do with this. That's but, two trivia questions here early in the morning. Well, that's what I do. I actually got some sleep last night, so that's good. God, hallelujah. Have you watched the Ted Lasso finale yet? Yes, watched it last night. Would you agree with my assessment? We're giving away no spoilers, but would you agree with my assessment that, like, good but kind of just straightforward and nothing, like, overly, holy cow, I'm going to stare at the screen for five minutes? Yeah, that's probably fair. Kind of underwhelming? Yeah, I, I guess, I don't know what bomb I was looking for that wasn't, necessarily dropped well we could discuss but then it would be made yeah i mean there was a little bit of a one it it didn't necessarily well again i'm not going to go too deep into it but yes we watched that uh and then you know jake i know you were probably locked in i was uh locked into the ncaa golf championships (laughs) terrific theater between florida and georgia tech absolutely great drama yeah prime time Solo spot on a Wednesday night. What the hell else are you watching on a Wednesday night right now? No, you're you're right. I mean, I was locked in. That's correct. It was. I'm surprised I slept last night. Chomp chomp. Anthony Richardson's Gators get it done there at Greyhawk out in Arizona. Are they sponsored by Lacoste? That would make sense, wouldn't it? It would. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So I had ordered with the Australians here for the race. I ordered an Australian. I think I'd mentioned on Carb Day. I had ordered from uh, a large online shopping institution i I ordered an australian flag i Uh thought it'd be fun for the parade for the australians to have a flag of australia and even maybe for the race and when i ordered it it said like you know we'll arrive friday perfect parade is saturday race is sunday and then of course on friday afternoon i get a thing it's now been changed to tuesday well that does me no good so thank you to christy who let me borrow her australian flag told the story about how that worked out it was great Yesterday, there was, there was some woman in front of us at Carb Day yelling about the Australian that, that was flag. Was that her? Yeah. So I went to her house and picked it up, and that's what they used, and Will Power went crazy. And so I had the Australian flag arrived yesterday in the mail. I'm like, no, what am I going to do with this? It was not expensive. And I'm like, I could take it back and return it and do all that. I, I'm old. I, I know all you have to do is like hand it to somebody at Kohl's or whatever, but I, I didn't want to do that. So I thought, well, who, who do I know that could use this where I could just donate it? And I, my first thought was like the international school. And I'm like, yeah, but they have, I'm sure they have flags of everywhere. They certainly, when you drive by, it certainly looks like they do. Right. So I called a, a place and asked for the person overseeing said place and explained the situation. And they said, oh, that'd be wonderful. Uh, really? Are you being serious? Like, you, like, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, you guys can have it. So I went in to drop it off, and like the whole staff came out. Like you'd have thought that I was dropping off the drum set of the Beatles. 
Yeah. And they could not have been nicer, but they were super excited. They like had already picked out how they were going to use it. Outback Steakhouse? Correct. Really? And I thought to myself, wait a minute. Bloomin' <laughs> Onion for life for jQuery. So, so listen to this. Foster's <laughs> you on are, draft. You are exactly correct on both. So I go in there, and I have the Australian flag, and they're like... Oh my gosh! And like the cook came out, and the general manager came out. This is Patty Mills' third cousin. Out, and they're like Greg Norman's second like, cousin. Look, we, we picked like a spot on the wall where we're gonna hang it. And this is so cool, and and I mean it was wonderful. I, I was appreciative of the fact they were appreciative. They're like, "Do you want dinner?" And I said, "Well, actually, because we're going tonight." Uh, the Tracksuits and Tiger Queens, which is the group text that I'm on with a bunch of people from North Central, they are insistent that we go to Sun King tonight to celebrate my college graduation. And I'm like, I, I don't want to celebrate my graduation. I should have done it 30 years ago, but I'll go and have beer, right? So we're going to Sun King tonight. So beforehand now, we're going to go to dinner at Outback because they're like, free dinner on us. Like, the red carpet's <laughs> going to be out. Totally. So my question after all of that, once the dust settled and I'm driving home and I'm happy about this feel-good Ted Lasso-esque story of just, you know, nice people at the Outback Steakhouse, and they were wonderful in Castleton. And then it dawned on me, Kevin, in the 30 years that place has been there, how has there never been like a general manager that's like, we should probably get an Australian flag, Yeah, right? I can't say I've ventured Outback Steakhouse too many times, so... Uh I just probably assumed that there was an Australian flag I mean, in there. Like if you go to La Hacienda, there's probably a Mexican flag sure, in there, right? Sure. You go to yeah, Union Jack or some yeah, right. I mean, yeah. you go to any Irish pub, there's an Irish flag, like a hundred of them. I did find it interesting, and I think I have this correct. I asked the Australians on Friday at Carb Day where Will Power would rank in like most famous athletes in Australia, and I thought one of them said like top twenty. I think they said. Amongst, the, but they kept giving the disclaimer amongst race fans. Oh, see, I thought they said amongst race fans he'd be one, but in general, I, I thought one of them said top twenty, top ten, and then the other one kind of said, "Ah, pump the brakes, top 20 I'm thinking, I, I mean, nothing against Joseph Newgarden, but he's probably not a top five hundred American athlete. Here's what, here's the way that I think is the best to explain it. Maybe top thousand. I, I mean, know. I've said this before, but. Here in the United States, the like Zach Eady. We're sitting here talking about is Zach Eady an NBA player, right? And Yogi Ferrell is a good example. Yogi Ferrell is playing professionally. Where is he playing now? Is he in Boy, that's a good question. Israel or like Italy, maybe? That's a good question. But he's like the most valuable player of the league he plays in. And is a really good player. Henry Williams was a guy that played at Ben Davis and played at University of Charlotte that was a really good European player made tons of money over in Europe for years. We think of in the United States, the NBA is the creme de la creme. And if you're in the NBA, that's the top basketball league. And then what do we say about guys that are college players? You know, the Troy Williams of the world, the the Yogi Ferrells of the world. We say like, oh, well, he's he's making pretty good money over in Europe. Okay. Now, Stefan Marbury, oh, he's making huge money over in China. Will Power would be to Australia that equivalent because to them, Formula One is the creme de la creme. That is their NBA. So if somebody says like, hey, do you remember like that kid from Toowoomba, Will Power that used to win like all the Australian sports car championships? Whatever happened to him? Oh, he's making really good money racing over in the States. Oh, okay. So there's that big of a drop off? 
I think in their mind there is, yeah. I, I think for sure Formula One is – I don't think there's any comparison. I just think you know, the Indy 500 prominence is I certainly do, different than you know the Israel League's championship game to that's, us in that, the States. That is certainly fair. Yes, you are correct in that. But I think that – but again, I think the, the Indy 500 – Will Power winning the Indy 500 to Australia would be the equivalent of if we were to see – Trey Lyles winning the Olympic gold medal while playing for Team Canada. You know what I mean? I'd like to see Trey Lyles here on the Pacers next year. He's a free agent. I think he'd be a nice, you know, eighth, ninth guy. He does seem... Stretch the floor a little. Yeah. he. You know, Lyles Not a nice is, niche role. Lyles is interesting because when he has gotten opportunity in the NBA, you know, he's played... His journey started out so circuitously, almost at no fault of his... He, he was getting traded all over the place. But when he's gotten an opportunity and gotten minutes, he's been a nice player, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think he's had a nice, nice career. I mean, hell, it's probably going on a decade now, which is just amazing to to think of. Uh, I was happy to see among all of the kind of declarations, Jake, yesterday, going pro, coming back, you did see Armand Franklin who worked out for the Pacers yesterday, the Cathedral product, played at IU for a couple seasons before transferring to UVA. He is keeping his name in the NBA draft. But I was really happy for Dusty May. Uh, Elijah Martin, who had a really nice tournament run, and I thought actually had some NBA potential, uh, and probably does. Uh, And John L. Davis from Gary, both of them returning to FAU. So I believe FAU brings back pretty much everybody. And and again, I think there was some concern when the season ended. Hey, they're going to start looking at the FAU players in the portal. They're going to start offering them big money. Dusty May brings back... I think it's everybody. Uh, can they do what Butler did in year two? I still think the Butler year two was more impressive considering they had lost Gordon Hayward, you know, I think a couple French pieces in Willie Beasley and Avery Jukes, but uh, FAU, by all accounts, you would think they're going to be a preseason top five team. Can, isn't that crazy? I mean, can they? Can FIU, does he need to leave FIU or F, FAU? I, I keep saying FIU. See, that's that's probably his biggest problem, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Boca or Miami? I, um, I, I, I get totally confused by it. But, you know, can he... It, aren't they going to... Are they going to... Con- Graham, w- w- they are leaving. We look that up. FAU is going to Conference USA? I think that's right. Were they in the Metro? What were they in? Or they no, were, they were in... Um, were they in Conference USA? Hold, hold now on. they're going to the American? Bingo. That's correct. I've confused that's, myself. That's correct. Graham, will you double check that? Florida Atlantic, where were they last year? Where are they going? W- what's Mark doing? Is he sleeping? I should be. <laughs> I, I do kind of forget that Mark is here. <laughs> I know. Just from a vantage Has, standpoint. Hasn't I said a word. I can't really see him over there. <laughs> I know. Let me stand. We, we, don't, we have no tangible proof that Mark Dykton still works here. Uh, Terrence Shannon, all Big Ten first teamer from Illinois. He is returning to the Fighting Illini. So outside of Edie. Probably the most prominent name coming back to the Big Ten. I, the back to your point about Florida Atlantic. I do think that you have like a couple year window to cash in. You know George Mason. You know, George Mason. Their challenge was they lost their coach because Jim Laranega left. Um, you know Gonzaga when they first broke through, they were able to build on it, and you see what you, what you have there now, right? Butler obviously when they broke through. Their coach, eventually they lost their coach, but they still have been able to maintain, certainly at a higher level of where they were when it all began. You do wonder for Florida Atlantic if Dusty May sticks around a while or does 
Florida Atlantic's biggest advantage, Kevin, might have come at the fact that they had their Final Four run in a year when there were no big job openings. So it's like, hey. Excuse me? The one in South Bend? Okay. Actually, that was filled before it, wasn't it? No, I, I again, I I would agree with you. Notre Dame is not a big basketball job, but thank you to Micah Shrewsbury. I did have a conversation yesterday. Uh, I'm so happy Micah Shrewsbury is Notre Dame's coach. Have I told you that? Yeah, well, I'm aware. Um, apparently, so I I had a long conversation, like an an hour conversation on the phone yesterday with Nick Gardner. No, sure. And you know he he knows Shrewsbury well and was going on about how your excitement is justified. I actually ran into Nick Gardner. Um, he's got some. Some young boys, a couple years older than my children, ran into him in the neighborhood, and uh, we had that conversation. He is very excited. Gosh, and I'm trying to think of what he told me to. There was something he wanted me to tell Micah next time that we had the conversation. I go, well, there might be a restraining order from the, those in South Bend on how many times we can have Micah Shrewsbury on the uh, phone. Graham, a- any luck with that? Yeah, all it said was that they have been in the USA Conference, and they're still in the USA Conference. I thought they were American-bound. No, they're, they're, they're leaving for sure. I'm sure of it. I think American-bound on that end. Again, it, it could be basketball only. Is that possible? Well, I feel like football-wise, haven't they had like some notable... Wasn't Lane Kiffin there? Tom Herman? Again, Is was Tom it, Herman there But now? was that that or, or... I think FIU was T.Y. Hilton action. Okay. By the way, I saw T.Y. Hilton's son is a The Owls recruit. are in the National Collegiate Athletic Association Division One. members of the Conference USA. On October 21st, 2021, Florida Atlantic accepted an invitation to join the American Athletic Conference and will become a full-time member on July 1st, 2023. This is currently beginning day number one of the final month of Conference USA for Florida Atlantic. Bad. Pour one out in the villages for their time <laughs> in Conference USA. Then we have someone call in. Yeah, your ge- your geography on where the villages are doesn't match up with where Boca Raton is. You know, apologies on that end. Uh, again, Alan Carpet going to join us here in a little bit to talk more about Zach Eady's return to Purdue. Seemingly, again, all positive on that end. We'll talk with Alan. Any trickle down effect roster related with that? Scott Agnes at nine o'clock. What are- is Dyketon doing? Did you just witness this? Did you just witness this? Well the, well, the last blind isn't shut. Well, they look like they're Mark up. comes over. So those that don't know, there are three huge windows That was here kind of a wild move by Mark. I thought he did that on purpose. <laughs> there are three windows that face Monument Circle here. We have the, the a fabulous location, and I thank myself every morning. Uh, not myself. I thank those that I'm fortunate enough to have this view every morning. Thank myself. I like me some I, I do <laughs> thank myself more. a lot. Every once in a while, I get up and I just say to myself, Jake, I'd like to thank you for being you. And Boo and, just pooped and, all over the floor. <laughs> and so we have blinds in each of the three windows, one of which hits Kevin and I, the other two of which hits Mark. He just gets up, sombers over from his Golden Grahams-induced nap, closes the blinds on two-thirds of the window, and then literally Kevin and I are sitting here getting napalmed into yesteryear. Mark just sombers off. I will say, I was like, is there beef between Mark and Jake on the side here that he just left that one open? I think, I honestly, Mark, what time did you go to bed or have you? No, we watched the Ted Lasso finale. I went to bed at probably like 11.45. 11.45, Mark Dykton. He didn't even chime in on that. Now, you know something I am happy about time-wise? Did you guys see the tip time for tonight? 8.30, right? Ooh. I feel like we've bumped it up a half hour, right, with the NBA Finals? Didn't they used to all be at 9? Is that right? I mean, I know I feel that like in years past it was nine, eight thirty tonight, eight o'clock on Sunday 
for game two. So it looks like during the week, still the 8.30 tip heat, times. Heat steal one tonight. But on Sunday, Jake, you can get a lot of money for that. Did you see the line? No. Eight and a half, rising to nine. Heat steal one tonight. Something's got to give. The Heat have won game one in all three of their series. The Nuggets are undefeated at home. The debate about the layoff versus you know altitude, all of that. We'll see how that goes tonight. But certainly, if you like the Heat, you can get some pretty, pretty good odds on that here. For game one. Again, Graham is on the board with us. Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, Alan Carpet coming up a little bit later in the 7 o'clock hour. Scott Agnes at 9. It is easily the biggest prospect name to work out for the Pacers yet in this draft cycle. Three weeks from tonight will be the NBA draft. We'll chat more about who's in town today for a solo ro- workout with the Pacers. You'll listen to Kevin Query on a steamy Thursday in Indy. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Jake the Big Maple. That's what they call Zach Eady, right? He's returning to West Lafayette. The National Player of the Year. Back for another year for the Purdue Boilermakers. He made that decision official. God, it had to be close to 10 o'clock last night. Uh, so Zach Eady returning to Purdue. The NBA draft deadline. Late last night certainly goes without saying. Preseason, what? Close to 10 o'clock last night. So Zach Heady returning. I thought Graham was playing it back for us there, just to emphasize the points there. having deja vu. Uh, Preseason ranked one or two, right, Purdue? I mean, it's got to be. Again, does how it ended hurt them at all? There might be some hesitancy, but then I think you just look at the sheer. I mean, at times we forget they did win the Big Ten by three games. They were outstanding on the road. They were great in the non-conference. Like, yes, I understand what happened. And they do have, but they've got some key pieces coming in too. They do need to, I think, add size. Size is. I don't know if it's size as much as durability. Like Fletcher Lawyer needs to get in the weight room all summer, and Purdue does a great job at that. Don't get me wrong, but they just need if if they can add. You know, Colvin's going to be an important player for them. Yeah, Colvin, they got the transfer from Southern Illinois. We'll see how much he impacts. You know, I know they redshirted a couple of the under-the-radar guys. Purdue tends to those guys then do do something for them. Do we see any of that? Uh, but yeah, Brandon Newman, David Jenkins, those are really the only losses for Purdue. Uh, Jake, yesterday, Major League Baseball, there's no hotter team than the Reds. Mark, will you have Graham play the audio? Don't look now, but here they come. Five game win streak for the Redlegs, right? I thought it was it. I thought it was six. According to Scott Johnson, here it's five. It was a sweep of the Cubs. I know that. Uh, I don't remember that. Take they that, be- Mark. They beat the Red Sox five four. Carlton Fisk did have a home run that, that was narrowly uh, stayed in, but the Reds win five four. Yeah, it is five. Gosh, I'm, I'm getting I'm getting ahead of myself here. Rays over the Cubs four three. White Sox on the short end of the Angels twelve five. Atani had two home runs, by the way. Just so casual. <laughs> and I think, aren't the Angels kind of decent this year? Like, could we maybe see them in the playoffs? Yeah, I think that's accurate. Um, 
Guardians over Cute Fella 12-8, but Cute Fella still the second best record in all of baseball. Let me repeat that. The Baltimore Orioles, second best record in all of baseball. There is one team ahead of the Orioles for best record in all of baseball, Baltimore second. We the, just swoosh it, Graham. The team ahead of them is, Kevin? Uh, the Athletics. Tampa Bay Rays. <laughs> Mark from the cheap seats with the Rays comment. Yes, correct on that. All right, tonight, game one of the NBA Finals. It is a large spread. Denver, the second biggest NBA Finals favorite in the last 16 years. It was the Warriors 4-1 over the Cavs in 2017. That's the only bigger one we've seen. And tonight, it's an 8.5, kind of trending towards 9 points with this. Uh, who guards Jokic? Is it Bam? I think it's by committee, right? And does Cody Zeller have enough fouls to hang in there? <laughs> Cody Zeller's probably going to see some minutes. You know who is amazing to me on Denver that I can't believe he's still in the league and he goes up for these dunks like he should be in the dunk contest? Aaron Gordon? Jeff Green. Jeff Green. Uh, Jeff Green, uh, yes. Graham, is he Good 46 call, years old? He's I- probably 37. He has been around a long time, man. And again, he like all of a sudden cocks it back for these dunks. I'm like, what? Wait, who is that? Yeah, I'm like, no question. Did I forget about somebody? Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr. I can understand. When it's Jeff Green, I'm like, whoa. Porter is an ex- you know the Nuggets are built in a way that 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 the Nuggets needed to be built. You have an international player that was a late pick that that obviously turns into I mean that right there. But then Murray. Yeah, Murray at seven. Porter was late lottery. A big trade Porter, for Gordon. Porter was late lottery because he had the back issue in right. college, and and everybody Porter would have been a top five pick normally. Yeah, Denver took a risk, but Denver took a flyer, off. right? And then the trade for Gordon was a little bit aggressive, but it's worked out perfectly. Yeah, it's a very organic way of building. Add the one major piece, and you know I said this yesterday. If you look at it contractually, Denver has all of these guys under contract for several more years. So of organically built Baltimore Orioles, second best record in in baseball, by the way. Can you name one Oriole? What's that? Can you name one Oriole? Eddie Murray. <laughs> I always loved Brian Anderson's lefty swing, but I think he was doing steroids. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that every player from like 98 to, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's probably fair. Some guy hit 59 home runs in 1999 and then had a combined 38 the rest of his career. He might have been on steroids. Uh, Jake, you're Detroit bound. Come Brian on. Baker. Tomorrow or Saturday? Uh, Friday. Tomorrow. Uh, yes, IndyCar Grand Prix on the streets of Detroit. Coverage beginning 2.30 on Sunday. And when I say the streets of Detroit, this is no longer, by the way, Belle Isle. This is Jefferson Avenue, which is one of the main drags that goes along, uh, all kind of part of the concerted effort to revitalize the city of Detroit, including the area. The track doesn't go around the area where the Tigers play, but it is cool, the area where, where Tiger Stadium is and Little Caesars Pizza Pizza Arena is right there. There's a casino. And if you get in there in the right time when the Tigers are playing, you might be able to see the second-best team in baseball, which is the Baltimore Orioles, by the Ooh. way, if I haven't mentioned. You're going to double-dip di- double that? Well, I, they're not there this weekend, oh. I'm just saying. Speaking of Detroit, how about Monty Williams? You see That's that contract? Big old contract. Good Six Lord. for 72? Yeah. It is kind of crazy to think... You know, if for some reason you just went into hibernation for the last 18 months and you've returned and you're like... That sounds wonderful, by the way. Nick Nurse, Monty Williams, Mike Budenholzer, and Doc Rivers are all not coaching for the teams that they just were at. Can, can you believe this? Is this correct? I'm looking at the schedule. Yes, Brady Anderson. Did I say Brian? I meant Brady. Thank you, Tim. Brady Anderson. This cute fella, they've already yeah, been through... They were, they were in Detroit in April... There's no way that are they done? 
the the the, the heated rivalry between the Orioles and the Tigers is it over with? I don't think they come back. Riveting radio coming up next. We're going to have going on here? a little bit more Zach Eady conversation with uh, Alan Carpick, president of Golden Black. He's going to join us. Why would you even get Tiger season tickets if Cute Fell only comes through once? And they aren't even in the same division. I, well, I know, but you'd think that they'd like, what is, I mean, again, we'll get the, into the Reds are playing the Red Sox for crying out loud. Big solo draft prospect coming up. It might be the highest draft pick the Pacers have. I come in their facility here this offseason in terms of a workout. Will he be there at 7? Should the Pacers entertain it? Uh, we'll chat about that a little bit later in the show. Very nice start to this Thursday. A little bit warmer, though. Kevin Aquaria on 93.5, 107.5. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. I've the fan. 7.45, that means 15 minutes before the hour of 8 o'clock in Indianapolis on a gorgeous start to a Thursday. Jake Quarry along with Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykton theoretically is here as well. Hey. Graham is filling in admirably, learning how to fly the commands, so to speak, and actually probably doing a better job than Mark. Uh, joining us now on the Payless Sickers Hotline, you can read his work, of course, at Golden Black. That's part of the On3.com family. I hope I got that part correct. Alan Karpik, who I think, Alan, that we knew probably that what we got in terms of news yesterday was going to happen. Zach Eady returning to Purdue. And I'll get right to my first question for you, and that is, do you think – it's a delicate balance. I don't think that Purdue wants to completely like throw a monkey wrench into the way they do the Purdue way, to use that cliche, but does Matt Painter orchestrate maybe a few things offensively to, to better show an offensive versatility for Zach Eady's benefit moving forward so that then they, they can say to players moving forward, see, if you come to Purdue, we will give you the opportunity to showcase yourself for the next level. Well, I think that'll happen uh, in all likelihood just because if you go back to Caleb Swanigan a couple of years ago, different players, I understand, but Swanigan, they brought him more on the court. Uh, and again, obviously, Swanigan, his freshman year, wasn't National Player of the Year, but uh, this is a guy that um, they did want to showcase a little bit more than do. Matt Painter will want to do that. Uh, I think Purdue has to play a little bit differently too. You're going to look at that roster and you say, how do you, how do you mix, how do you share 200 minutes, so to speak, between that group? So uh, you know, I, I expect them to play a little bit differently in, in certain ways, and I think they're going to do everything they can, stating the obvious here, to make themselves as tournament ready as possible. Alan, I want to go back to kind of what Jake was getting at there to lead things off. Um, were there nerves in West Lafayette? I mean, I'm sitting there like at 9 o'clock last night being like, boy, it's bad yeah, enough I, waiting for some random Big Ten game to start at 9 o'clock. Here I am waiting for Zach Eady's announcement. Like, he, he took it, you know, pretty much to the deadline. Yeah, Jake, I, I would agree that it wasn't a foregone. In fact, we were hearing a lot of things uh, the night before and wrote it on our website. Brian Newbert did about, uh, you know, hearing things going the other way. I think it's... Uh, he was in, and with all, you know, he should have been doing this, trying to figure out what the best opportunity was going to be for him. Uh, I think that there were some last minute, you know, at least thoughts that he had to go into. Jackie is not a guy that likes to, uh, he's not a big social media guy, not a guy necessarily that, uh, 
that uh, wants all that attention on himself. So I, that gives me reason to believe that there were some discussions going on, and it was a hard choice for him because the only thing he tweeted, I think, in the month of May was you know basically saying, I don't know why everybody everybody seems to know where I'm going when, when I don't. I think that was on May the 17th, and and I, I take him at that. I think he was really trying to uh, take this and run this up as far up the flagpole as he could. I think uh, everything we can gather that Purdue is ready to, or the Boilermaker Alliance or Purdue's NIL, the opportunity to, to make sure he was well taken care of. But I don't know that it was a foregone conclusion. You're absolutely right. There were people at 9 o'clock last night or 9.16 right before he right before he tweeted that uh, uh, he was going to run it back. But uh, that uh, there were certainly some serious questions at that point. Can Alan Karpik with us from Golden Black and more into the Zach Eady decision to return to Purdue? You know, obviously, Alan, the, the NIL aspect, we, you saw it last night. I mean, after Purdue retweeted Zach Eady, they retweet their NIL store to talk about the merchandise that's on sale, um, you know, for Zach Eady shirts about running it back and the international visa debate with Eady as well. If you could clarify for our audience, from an NIL standpoint, will Edie make substantially more this year than he was last year? And how much of that is to do with, you know, A, his prominence, and B, the fact that his prominence has led to the visa situation not being uh, as much of an issue? Well, I think he will make more. I don't know. We don't know exactly what his figures were last year. Uh, but I have to believe that uh, it's going to be significantly more this year, and he's significantly more marketable too. I mean, he's he is a national story now. He's a national brand both in Canada and in the United States, and and uh, I think that that's uh, pretty much goes without saying. How much that is, you know, you hear all these figures—a million and a half, a million. You know, I don't know. They're not releasing those figures, and my guess is they won't. Um, but it certainly is a is a plus for the. For the Boilermaker Alliance and, and certainly Purdue's NIL situation, now he may have uh, drained drained it a little bit in terms of the, their resources too. But we'll find that out as time goes on. But certainly, um, it was an example. This is today's world where you get that opportunity to come back because because of the NIL money and it's significant. Alan, in terms of the ripples from this, and it's hard to say ripples because you're not throwing a pebble into new water. I mean, Zach Eady was there last year. But in terms of players that maybe were anticipating that they were going to get more opportunity this year and things stay the same, will this have implication of any transfers? That's a reality in today's basketball. And secondly, what does Purdue do to take care of the situations that led to their ouster, which were not related to Zach Eady? Right. I mean, I, I think if you're talking about Trey Kaufman, Ren, and Caleb first, and their and their their potential lack of minutes, or certainly they would have had a lot more had Zach Eady stayed. You know, who knows? I mean, I, I don't see any sign of that happening. We don't see that. But uh, the, either one of those guys taking off, but you have no, you know, you don't know anything for sure. Uh, I, I think too, the best thing Purdue's got going forward is is uh, Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith are a year older. Uh, you've got Lance Jones coming in. This is a team, Miles Colvin, that uh, is going to, and, and certainly uh, Cameron Heidi, going to be different in some ways than it was last year. Yes, uh, you got to, I mean, I, I don't want to simplify what happened at the end of the NCAA tournament with five for 26 for three. Uh, that had a lot to do with some untimely turnovers. 
if you just make some of those, things are a little bit different. But they didn't, and so you got to fix that. you got to put yourself in the best position to have success in the tournament. You have to hope that there's no doubt that Smith and Lawyer wore down toward the end of the 23 season. You have to hope that you're going to be in a position to, to A, they're going to be a year older, uh, understand what it takes to get this done and take a step forward. Both those guys really are, are really talented freshmen. If you just take that and look at the way that those guys played, for the most part, Lawyer certainly struggled more in the second half of the Big Ten season. But my point is, uh, it's a pretty good place to start. Alan Karpik from Golden Black with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Certainly, Lawyer, you know, regaining that shot, finding more of it would, would would be something you'd like to see. From a newcomer standpoint, Alan, and you just mentioned a few names there, who do you think w- would have maybe the biggest benefit or, or who would Im- who will impact the most? You know, is it Colvin, the SIU transfer? I think it's Lance Jones, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Um, you right. know, a couple of those under-the-radar redshirt guys that you mentioned. Who do you think of the newcomers will have the biggest impact? Well, Miles Colvin probably have the most attention on him just because of where he comes from and, and the fact that he's an Indianapolis guy and, and, a, and, a, and a legacy, so to speak, uh, at Purdue. And a guy that, uh, if you look at what Purdue was missing last year on, on paper, he's exactly what Purdue needs, a guy that can take the ball to the basket, create some things uh, from the wing position. So that, uh, But that's a simple answer to it. You know, I think that with Matt Painter and any other good basketball coach, uh, you go through practice and you figure out uh, what you have. You know, Cam and Heidi, they like a lot. Redshirt guy out of Minnesota. Uh, and they certainly wouldn't have brought Lance Jones in if they didn't think he could play. He's going to be a little different type of player than David Jenkins, uh, but uh, he may have to fill, fulfill some of that same role. But they need uh, Purdue needs balance, and Purdue needs to make shots. I mean, that's what it came when Purdue struggled down the second half of the season. It was two things: they couldn't shoot the basketball very well, and they turned the ball over too many times. Uh, that you know, the good thing is Purdue is a good, has got a good base defense. The Boilermakers like what twenty fourth nationally last year. This is a team that does bring a lot to the table. There, they're not starting from where they were last year. And you have to remember, last year uh, nobody thought you know Purdue's time is now. It wasn't last year. Now it looked like it should have been when Purdue got to number one. But if you look at where Purdue was at this time last year, nobody was thinking that the Boilermakers were going to be a team that was capable of winning the Big Ten by three games. So uh, I think it does change because of perspective. Purdue has to uh, mature from that standpoint. If they don't do that, they're going to have may have the same result. But uh, uh, having Zach Eady back gives you a heck of a lot of options of where and what to do heading into the 23-24 season. Lastly for me, Alan, with Zach Eady going basically to the 11th hour before making his announcement that he will return, Yeah, do you believe that's because he was starting to get some hints that, in fact, he had improved his draft stock. Maybe not a first-rounder, which he said he needed to be a first-rounder. That made it intriguing for him? Or was he waiting until the 11th hour to get news that simply was not even on the radar, which was that he had, in fact, improved his draft stock? Yeah, I I don't know the answer to that. I'm going to guess the former on that. And that is that uh, there were some people that uh, were impressed uh, and and when he was talking to him, we know we understand he was in Kansas, Kansas City this week. Uh, he uh, he was a guy that uh, that is, is certainly in a position to uh, improve his stock, and uh, and I think he had no, you know, he was going to run out the ground ball here and see where where he needed to be uh, at the end of the day. And I think that that's where 
uh, you know, he got he got what he wanted from that standpoint. He's coming back to Purdue. He may not have gotten heard what he wanted exactly yet on the on the, on the NBA radar, but. He is a guy that uh, is certainly uh, capable of uh, uh, improving his stock, and I think he got the attention of a lot of people uh, heading into this whole situation where uh, he's going to have a chance to get to improve himself in 23-24, but also uh, build what he really wants to get done at the end, and that is uh, to, to be a good NBA, make money, a lot of money playing professional basketball. Again, pretty rare to see the defending National Player of the Year return to college basketball, but welcome to NIL in 2023, and welcome to how the NBA kind of views that position as well. Alan, appreciate the time this morning. I know it hopefully will get a little bit quieter for you guys in the summer months before football ramps up, but uh, thank you for joining us. Yeah, always a privilege, guys. Thanks for having me on, and if you're a Purdue fan, it's a good morning. And a lot to look forward to, but thanks so much. Certainly is. Alan Carpet right there on the Payless Slickers hotline. Uh, Non-Zach Eady news, Jake, but I found this interesting um, Purdue football-wise. Did you see the um, like the Big Ten schedule for this fall starting to trickle out, like some of those kickoff times right. and, and where it is? I had kind of forgotten we're about to enter that new phase of the Big Ten of games are about to be everywhere. Oh, yeah. Who did I see? And I mean channel-wise. Yeah, there was one that I saw, Washington, and I know that this isn't, the, but it was, a, you know, it's kind of a, a precursor. Washington and like, was it Ohio State or Michigan State? And it's on Peacock. It's not even yeah. on like regular television. People are like, wait a minute. I thought this merger was, you know, eventually going to be so that every game was on big-time TV, and, but that's that's how it's going to be now, right? So Purdue's first four games next year are on Big Ten Network, ESPN2, NBC and FS1. You got to keep that straight. And once you get into Big Ten play, you know, it's a little bit of NBC here. It's a little bit of CBS there, to your point. You know, Peacock, you know, Fox. So, again, I I think eventually we'll, we'll all get used to it, but it's definitely going to take some time to getting used to the variety of places that Big Ten games will be. And you bring up Peacock, I mean, come basketball season, that I think will be the surprise. Because if, if you're smart and you're and whatever, you're Peacock or you're even the Big Ten and you want to appease NBC and Peacock, Jake, you're going to put a prominent Indiana basketball Big Ten game on Peacock. Yeah, you're right. You know the diehards will go there. In a heartbeat. I mean, hell, I did it with Notre Dame football. I mean, I, I wasn't, you know. I mean, Indiana, it, they had a game last year that was on ESPN three, right? Like, it, or the three sixty. It was like you know one of the preseason games. But I think Big Ten games though. That was for the basketball. Most sorry. part, they've been on some sort of mainstream cable. Um, but now, if you start getting some streaming games, it's definitely going to be like a what? Yeah, how do I find this? The days of Thursday and Saturday, either Channel Four or ESPN Big Monday. <laughs> <laughs> long gone, long are you time saying? ago. Yep, long gone. Speaking of college basketball, the Pacers have got a big name working out for them today. We'll get into that. Scott Agnes joins us at nine o'clock. We'll look ahead to the NBA Finals. Uh, Twelve hours and change from tonight. The Denver Nuggets, Miami Heat in Game One. You can hear that, by the way, on our airwaves. Coverage begins at eight. Kevin Aquari, right? Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, 
and everything in between. Here on a Thursday. Kevin, talking about the NBA draft, and we talked yesterday about the fact that Larry Bird is, you know, consulting for the Pacers. Basically, that just means that, you know, he I got and Kevin, my hat on today. Larry, Larry Legend, Larry, Larry Legend hat on today. He and Kevin Pritchard have always had a great relationship, so that's not a huge surprise. But before we get into those that are working out for the Pacers, I found this interesting. Now, let's put on our... Let's put on our pom-poms and our crystal ball and everything else. There was a report yesterday that during the meetings with NBA teams in the workout processes that Brandon Miller, the swing forward out of Alabama, who I think most believe is certainly the best college player in this draft, and many believe perhaps the second best prospect in the draft behind Victor Webbenyama, Scoot Henderson, who is in the G League, probably interchangeable between those two depending on your position of need. But Brandon Miller, I don't know Brandon Miller, obviously. But for those that are unfamiliar, mega-talented freshman at Alabama – many believe kind of a Paul George type ceiling but there was the incident at Alabama where a former Alabama teammate was involved in a I believe fatal shooting right yes uh in a fatal shooting of a female and Brandon Miller was with that player earlier in the evening of the shooting dropped him off somewhere and then later the player sent a text to Brandon Miller essentially saying, hey, I left my bag in your car. And it, and he was aware of the fact that the guy was basically saying, can you bring it back because I need my gun? And Brandon Miller returned and was like, here you go. You left your bag in the car and here's your gun. That can be interpreted a hundred different ways. By all account, for the rest of the year. And Nate Oates caught a lot of heat, the head coach at Alabama, for his defense of Brandon Miller. Um, and his handling, I would say, as well. Correct. Situation. And then, depending on which way you look at it, I mean, one is this guy's got terrible judgment that he's hanging around the wrong people. The other is he's a really naive young man that didn't really think through what, you know, I mean, there's a million ways you can look at it. I don't know Brandon Miller, so it's probably unfair of me to immediately associate how I would have responded or what he should have done. You know, who knows? But the reality is he has never been charged, to my knowledge, with a crime for it. However, he showed up, Kevin, at the workouts and interviews with different teams with a letter, this is reportedly, with a letter from his attorney declaring that he could not discuss the situation because it's an ongoing investigation. And a lot of times, I think a lot of people would see that as, well, wait a minute, like if you did nothing wrong, then what? why are you so hesitant to discuss? That's side A. The flip to that would be because it's an ongoing investigation, so I'm not going to put myself in position to have anything misconstrued that links me, et cetera, et cetera. So, The question for you and for the fans of the Indiana Pacers, undoubtedly and undeniably, he is the style of player that appears to be the missing link for Indiana. 
if if this were to cause him to slide in the NBA draft, do you take him if you're Indiana at seven? You know, like hand raised, Jake. Obviously, I don't know all the information, but I I think I would. Um, you know, based off how you hear people talk about Brandon Miller and how he was viewed as a human being before this incident. Um, you know, people feel like this was not really an issue whatsoever. Obviously, devil's advocate could easily point to and say, well, have you not been paying attention to how one of the stars right now in the NBA has had gun issues in John Morant? And certainly, you, you could not ignore that. Um, again, I would need to do a vast amount of homework. And if Brandon Miller doesn't want to talk, or I should say if his agent is controlling the situation, then I would need to be boots on the ground in Tuscaloosa like none other and talk to everybody who is everybody to try and sift through this and say, you know, was this just a 19-year-old just making a dumb mistake and, you know, panicking in those moments or whatever? Um, I would have to sift through all of that. But Again, and I'm getting this very, you know, second, arguably third hand, it doesn't seem like there is this massive worry with Brandon Miller of like, this is one of 10 different things that he had issues with at Alabama, or we could easily see him putting himself into this situation more. Now, granted, he did this as a 19 year old. What happens when, you know, John Morant fame and John Morant type money starts to get into his pockets? Certainly, that would be something that you have to discuss internally. But doesn't it feel like the consensus, Jake, around the NBA is this is not a red flag. We would take him as high as we feel like his NBA talent calls for. It doesn't seem like there is a a massive amount of hesitancy, whereas when this whole thing kind of whatever blew up in February, that was the certainly the big discussion. You know, he was investigated and no charges were filed. The other thing, too, I think the John Morant point that you make, Kevin, is is an excellent point. But John Morant, I, I think the the risk that you had, risk is maybe the wrong word, the difference between John Morant and Brandon Miller, I don't know John Morant's upbringing, but I know this, I know that we heard nothing about his upbringing when he was experiencing it because he was not a marquee recruit. Yeah, totally different type of recruit than Brandon Miller. Yeah, we didn't really know anything about him, right? Brandon Miller, Brandon Miller's father played football at Alabama. His brother played college basketball and plays professionally overseas, granted. His sister is a college athlete. So I do think that Brandon Miller has the baseline foundation around him by every person that he is under the same roof as growing up on how to handle spotlight expectation whatever else and even with that he had a misstep and a misstep jake a young woman lost her life i totally understand that but he wasn't there when it happened he again if all reports are accurate he had been out with a teammate who then later got a hold of Miller and said, oh, by the way, like, I forgot I left something in your car. Like, you need to bring it to me. And that included, and he said, like, you know, you need to bring me my heat or whatever the the slang was he used for a firearm. I, I would like to believe, Kevin, that if that player had said to Brandon Miller, hey, this woman's driving me crazy and 
She made me mad for the final time, so I'm actually going to kill her. So can you bring me my gun so I can shoot and kill her? I, I, I'm assuming under those circumstances, Brandon Miller probably would have said, like, whoa, dude, like, we need to talk. I, I don't know that. Who knows, right? But, but considering that the district attorney of Tuscaloosa, Tuscaloosa County investigated it and decided not to charge him, you know, I, what do you do about that? Well, I, I mean, you could probably insert your joke. Joke isn't the right word, but insert your comments about a district attorney and a arguably the most prominent college sports town understood your cynicism in this your cynicism country would, sure totally but but my but here's the thing the the reality is that he is a young player and i know that for indiana this is a market that's different this is a market that in particular because of the brawl the incident at the conrad with jamal tensley the incident at club rio with steven jackson the pacers that's a long time ago and a lifetime ago to a lot of people but i think to a lot of their fan base it's still present it's still branded and quite frankly as much as i hate to say it this is also a fan base and a market that when it comes to giving benefit of the doubt to a young player in situations with firearms and etc um, I don't know that for a young African-American player who has that, that Indianapolis is, is as relatable a fan base as other markets, quite frankly. I always thought, truth be told, Jamal Tinsley is a prime example. And a little bit of it is your reputation comes back to either help or haunt you in situations of benefit of doubt. Tensley, because he was involved in the brawl peripherally, but he was on that team and he was there and he came back with a dustpan and whatever else. But later, I remember the the incident where Jamal Tinsley was in downtown Indianapolis, and or he was at a club, I believe, and like an argument broke out or whatever else, and he got in his car and drove to the Conrad, and a group followed him and started firing at his at his car, and people were like, "See, look at this thug; he's getting involved in downtown shootings." And I'm like, "Actually, what Jamal Tinsley did." was realized that his life was being threatened and he's like look I, I don't want these people knowing where i live so he drove to the most public place he could he could go to to like try to defuse the situation basically i thought actually jamal tinsley if that had been austin crozier people would have been calling in talk shows in indianapolis talking about how what a mature and smart decision it was to protect himself but your 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 previous incidents affect the way people perceive the current and for the pacer standpoint even though the brawl and those things were like two lifetimes ago of roster does it give them pause i think they love him as a player i think they absolutely love him as a player and i do think that the pacers would be willing to run that risk of reputation i do because i think they love him as a player and i think that all signs indicate to that being an isolated misunderstanding uh, today for the Pacers, they have their first solo draft workout of this cycle, and it is Cam Whitmore out of Villanova. Uh, I would say, by all accounts, you know Whitmore's name has probably been discussed right up there with just about anybody as maybe being the top guy in that third tier. If you look at Victor Webanyama in the top tier, you look at Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson in that second tier, you get into that third tier. Cam Whitmore, along with the uh, Thompson brothers, probably the one 
that is put up there the most at number four or five right in that mix. The thing with Whitmore that I feel like is a debate the Pacers are going to have to have internally is when you sit there at seven and you have the current rebuild the Pacers have and you have some important pieces in that rebuild already on your roster, Jake, are we to the point now where it's still best player available, no questions asked, or is it best player available that meets our best fit? Because with Whitmore... I think you look at his collegiate experience, you look at his skill set, and it's very similar to Benedict Matherin. So I guess let's go with the first question. Is it best player available, no questions asked at seven? Or is it best player available that coincides with your best fit? It's a great question because I think you go with best... I, I th- Here's the thing, Kevin. The players that the Pacers have... The positions that they seemingly have covered, if if you will, are the positions that they're very young in. So there's really no reason like like it's not like they have it's not like Benedict Matherin's thirty three and you know you're gonna have to eventually replace him. It's not like Tyrese Halliburton's thirty and you you know what I mean? So I think you go with peace. I think you go with best peace most needed. As opposed to, you know what, like, you ever play Trivial Pursuit? Sure. Remember how when you get to the middle, you could you could pick whatever colored peg you wanted for the question? Yeah. Sometimes you would do it, you know, like like you have, you know, do you pick the, the peg that you most need? Or, or in other words, like if you're going to the spaces... And you can go left or right. Do you go towards the the colored peg that you need to get to that thing, or do you go with the one that's going to allow you to keep answering questions correctly? Do you go with the one that's your weakness, or do you go with the one that like you you know because you need that, or do you go with the one that just it's the best question available for you in that moment? I think the Pacers look at it and they go, okay, we have like four of our pegs already. We need to make sure that we get definitively and get that pink peg. Right now, it's right there in front of us. This is our best opportunity to get it. I think they go with the specified peg as opposed to just the best thing that's out there. Yeah, I probably side with that too, Jake. And trust me, I can hear people out that say, no, 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 this might be the final top 10 pick you have for quite some time. The NBA draft is such a crapshoot. You take best player available 10 times out of 10 and you figure it out. And I I can listen to those people, certainly. But with Whitmore, again, great athlete, wing, powerful athlete, probably a little bit more of a powerful guy than than Matherin is. Um, a bit of a streaky shooter at Villanova. Um, not much of a like distributor playmaker, which I would think Matherin, we saw him this year, it's kind of a bull in a china shop. When Matherin starts driving, that head doesn't come up very often. It is attacking the rim, and it's getting to the foul line. A little bit better late in the year, certainly. Whitmore was not that at Villanova. And... and you know, I don't want to rip the kid too much. I know he's pretty young, but Jake, that Villanova team was not good this year. And it's a kid that averaged 12 points and less than one assist at Villanova. You're obviously betting on his future a little bit, but for a bad Villanova team, I think I would have liked to have seen a little bit more scoring production, a little bit more maybe even assist production at a school like that. Again, NBA is very high on him. Seems like that that very athletic wing that people like can give you something on the defensive end of the floor. 
but I do think that question of best player available versus best fit is real. And it's a kudos it's kudos to Kevin Pritchard and company that we have this question 18 months out of the rebuild really starting. That the Pacers have already found some pieces to where you are sitting here saying, hey, defensive-minded wing, defensive-minded four-man, that needs to be the focus with this draft selection. Um, nonetheless, Cam Whitmore uh, in Indiana today. Again, a solo workout. We remember last year that Benedict Matherin's solo workout left a huge, huge positive impression on the Pacers for uh, their status in terms of how they viewed Matherin. Chad Buchanan talked with us how much he was just kind of blown away um, by you know Matherin's presence and his work ethic and all of those things in person. So a huge part of the Pacers' draft process today uh, as we are three weeks out from the NBA draft. I'm going to make a wild prediction here. And it's probably like 10% chance it comes true. Like like if I was putting odds on this, I'd put it at, you know, like whatever, like 10 to 1. But, and I want to make very clear, I have nothing so far. There's There's no intel that I'm using to make this prediction. I'm going to predict the Pacers do not draft seventh. Move up, trade it for a veteran? Yes, move up. I think they're going to move up, and I don't think they will draft all of the, the selections that they have. I don't think they'll use all the selections they have. You want to venture how high they'll move up? Three. Really? And that would be Scoot Henderson? That would be Brandon Miller? That would be a different player? If they believe that Henderson goes two, which you were saying yesterday, that's you, you're probably correct that that's questionable. I think if they think they can get... I just get, think Brandon Miller fits Charlotte more than Scoot yeah, Henderson. That, and Brandon Miller apparently really wants to go to Charlotte. He's a native of Tennessee, played at Alabama. I, if, if Brandon Miller can be had after two, I think the Pacers move up and get him. I, I do think the Pacers love Brandon Miller. You know, the, the the great thing about even that question, Jake, is the Pacers can entertain that. I mean, they have the pieces in place totally. to entertain that. You they are have correct. so much flexibility, optionality is the word Kevin Pritchard uses. Again, it's a major credit to where they're at with this rebuild, is that they can debate that stuff and they've got the ammo to go ahead and even potentially think about those things. Again, I, I just I get the vibe that A, the NBA views Miller and Scoot Henderson in such a different light that they don't want to pass up the opportunity to take those guys at those respective spots. Charlotte desperately needs something for their franchise. And then vice versa, it seems like Kevin Pritchard's a bit content with what would be there in Tier 3. Now, he obviously mentioned there's three tiers, so Brandon Miller would be in a different tier. But um, you know how the Pacers handle these next three, three weeks is going to be really interesting to see where they view themselves in terms of the rebuild and how they will go about things in you know, pushing a little bit more that pedal to the metal there and speeding this up or continuing on the rebuild fronts. Uh, Scott Agnes coming up at nine. So we'll chat more about that on that end. Uh, for now, though, let's do a morning check down. The morning check down. On 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. We'll keep it in the association. Denver tonight. It is the Nuggets, game one, hosting the Miami Heat, 8.30 tip. 
for game number one tonight. My prediction tonight, not that anybody cares, but I'm going to offer it anyway unsolicited. Typically in situations like this, the road team goes in and steals one, especially if they're kind of coming right off of one of the key. I was talking yesterday to my friend Dan, who's a diehard Heat fan. He made an excellent point. There was a lot of hubbub about the fact that Denver, when they, or excuse me, Miami, when they went into Boston for Game 7, they had their flight was already scheduled and set to go straight to Denver from there. Yeah, what a worthless storyline. And people are like, whoa, that's a little cocky. And I'm like, wait a minute. What's one key aspect about facing the Denver Nuggets that no one talks about, Kevin? Altitude. Bingo, the altitude. Isn't it on their floor, 5820? Don't they put that on their floor? Yeah, and so does Wyoming. Uh, Wyoming has it on theirs, right, to like psych out people. Like, So the Miami going straight to Denver – for the, I think it's for the altitude purpose to to acclimate, and so that that does not become a factor. It still could, who knows? But it's the fact that Miami's in rhythm. Denver's been sitting. Russ has set in a little bit. Yeah, they've sat for over a week. I'll bet you Miami comes in tonight and steals game one. It is a big spread. Uh, Denver is favored by eight and a half in this one. Again, if you look at the history of these playoffs right here, right now. Miami's won every game one, all of those on the road that they've been a part of. Uh, Denver is not lost at home. So something's got to give tonight. Again, an 8.30 tip from Denver. Uh, can Caleb Martin do it for another series? You know, it was incredible what he did in that Eastern Conference Finals. Can he do it for another series under the bright lights of the NBA Finals? That will obviously be something to keep an eye on. Uh, big news here locally and I guess collegiately as well from yesterday. We talked a lot about it in the 7 o'clock hour. Zach Eady is returning to Purdue, uh, the National Player of the Year, back for a second straight year in college basketball. Oscar Shibway did it last year for Kentucky, but that's pretty rare to see that over the last decade plus. Um, you know, By all accounts, the NIL deal for Zach Eady, pretty healthy in his return to Purdue. They bring back... About what six of their top seven, seven of their top eight. Brandon Newman, the one loss. David Jenkins, I guess, kind of a fringe rotational guy as well that they lose. But uh, Jake, I would assume Purdue going to be preseason ranked one or two. I, I don't. You would think Kansas. Does, I'm trying to think of who else would even be up there. Does UConn lost a does good Fairleigh amount of Dickinson there. weigh into that? I just think when you actually put these teams on paper, like UConn lost three of their top six, so. Uh, you know, are any of the are you putting San Diego State up there? Are you putting Miami up there? Yeah. Miami lost some guy. I mean, FAU. Um, I I don't. I, I think if you can kind of get out of the Fairleigh Dickinson and look at Purdue's resume from last year and realize, and again, it's preseason polls. I guess who really cares? But Purdue won the Big Ten by three games. Purdue was great in the non-conference. I mean, Purdue had dominant moments this past season, and when you bring back as much as they do, um, I would think they would be deserving on paper of being that. But hey, look at North Carolina this year. What does that mean? Absolutely nothing. Preseason polls. Yeah, it's kind of like war. Although that's what what's it good for, right? Trivial pursuit and war. Are you going both there? Absolutely nothing. I'm, I'm just saying. Uh, did we get Major League Baseball scores yet? We did not. Let's yeah, talk about the Reds. Clamoring for that. The Reds Don't won look five now, straight. but here they come, Mark. Come on now. <laughs> Don't look now, but here come the Red Legs. Five in a row. Let's go. They beat the Boston Red Sox five four last night. Pedro Barbone was the winner in the game. Carlton Fisk, two of three, uh, but not enough. Reds win 5-4. They've won now five straight. Cubs on the short end. Tampa Rays beating them 4-3. Tampa leads their division. uh, Actually, the second best team in all of baseball in Tampa's division as well. And that is 
That'd be a cute fella. Baltimore Orioles, who lost yesterday to Cleveland 12-8. Sure, those Yankees, Red Sox. Are you guys going ahead and just buying my PBR now? We made a... a, a, Delusion, these payrolls. The beginning of the year, we each selected a team that was picked to win fewer than like 50% of their games, with the winner being the one who selected the team that wins the most games. And I'm, I mean, cute fellas running right, yeah. flying away with this, right? You just tell me what you want. I mean, hell, I could have bought it on April 6th. <laughs> the Athletics losing 4-2 to the Braves. The two-game win streak did not become three for the first time all year. Now, my, my Diamondbacks are two games behind you. I'm not buying you anything yet. Really? Yeah. Gosh, one for the small market this year right now. Did Diamondbacks rattle? Yes. Well, then you're not sneaking up on anybody. Do they still have the pool out there in Arizona? <laughs> they do. That in, that in Jacksonville, right? The, the two stadiums with pools. Uh, Pirates over the Giants 9-4. Indianapolis Indians 13-1 to over the Toledo Mudhens yesterday. Did you go to the game, Mark? No. Okay, I thought maybe that's why you were taking the day off today. I didn't know. 6.35 first pitch tonight for the Indians as they are at home for the next two weeks. Uh, Jake IndyCar, first back-to-back races of the year. It is Detroit-bound, and it's a new-looking Detroit race this year. No longer out on Belle Isle, correct? The streets of Detroit, that is correct. Right down Jefferson Avenue and near the Chevrolet and General Motors headquarters is where IndyCar will race. So it is a new course. It was designed about a year and a half ago. It goes kind of underneath the area that was formerly Joe Louis Arena. So I think uh, going to be cool. Roger Penske is very dedicated towards bringing attention and revenue and commerce, et cetera, to his hometown of Detroit. And that is the reason for off of Belle Isle. And Belle Isle also, and I loved Belle Isle. I thought it was super cool and historic and neat. But the problem with Belle Isle is it is an island. So for fans, you had to have people park in areas of downtown Detroit and then take buses across and then afterwards, like the lines of people trying to get on the buses to get back off the island, it was a lot that went into play there. So, going to be I, an exciting race to watch. Did I see that with the new setup, they're going to have pit lanes on opposite sides? Correct. So, walk us through that. That sounds wild to me. Uh, so, this happened, I haven't seen that exact layout, but we did the same thing in Baltimore years ago. When you come into pit road, you basically either go left lane or right lane, and there are two pit roads like it's it's fractured in terms of the pit road it's obviously just a matter of which one you're going on to um and we did the same thing i'm trying to think with baltimore how it worked in baltimore there were two different areas of the racetrack where pit road was and it just it was determined by points where you're actually pit pit location not by points pit location goes by the qualifying order of the last race of the same discipline. So not the Indy qualifying order, but the qualifying order of, I guess it would be Barber, because that was the last rotor street. So whoever was on pole at Barber will have pit stall one, then pit stall two, etc. And that's how it works. Oh, that's an interesting way to decide it. Yeah. So it should be interesting. You know, the, one of the challenges at this point in the year, Kevin, quite frankly, is it does get challenging to go from one weekend to the next to the next. I mean, psychologically, I mean, Joseph Newgarden, for example, he's got to be exhausted. And boom, he's got to go right there to Detroit and race. And he's probably like, man, I just want to catch up on sleep. May is is tough for everybody. I mean, it's it's a grind. And then there is... one Sunday, too. Yeah, there's an element of that that goes into just the challenge physically and, and, and mentally of picking up and going right back and racing again. 
Colts will have their second open OTA session to the media of the spring here coming up tomorrow. We'll chat some Colts on the other side. And again, Scott Agnes, a little bit more Pacers conversation in the 9 o'clock hour. Warmer on this Thursday, but still sunny. Kevin Aquaria right here on 93.5. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. And five, the fan. You know, when you look at the calendar, Jake, June 1st doesn't scream like important NFL date by any means. Um, but it, it is something to note. Um, basically, a few years ago, the NFL said, all right, June 1st would be a time where you can you cut a veteran at some point of the offseason, and then you label it as a post-June 1st designation. And by that, it helps you spread out the cap hit for the player you are cutting over multiple years. So basically, you don't absorb it all in that current cycle, in that current 2023 offseason. You can spread it out a little bit more. Um So I think you will see some teams that explore that avenue potentially today, potentially in the coming days. And it starts, it's not a big pool, but it could start a little bit more of a free agent pool of guys out there. Typically, they are veterans. Typically, they have, again, large cap hits, uh, but they certainly you know tend to fall in a little bit more of the experience category. So um, debating Chris Ballard free agency, Oftentimes, it seemed like a uh, pretty wasteful experience for us. Uh, And this year, it was par for the course. Chris Ballard barely used free agency in any significant matter. I would say particularly on the offensive side of the ball. uh, I guess a kicker and a defensive end and kind of swapping out Yannick Ngakwe for Samson Ebukam. But offensively, it's been very quiet. But I pointed out just to say, we could see some activity league-wide throughout the next 24-48 hours. And the Colts, if they like to, could factor into that. Um, I I can't recall, Jake, if he was a June 1st cut or not. But if you remember, and this is now probably going on nearly a decade ago, you know, Mike Adams was a June signing. Remember the safety? Yeah. Played here for a couple years. Good player. Yeah, had a nice kind of end to his career really here. Um, So that obviously benefited the Colts. And with them having... Two weeks left in OTAs, a week of minicamp. If you do want to get somebody in your building before training camp starts, this would be the time to kind of get them acclimated to your system, potentially on the field, those sorts of things. My, I oscillate, admittedly, between... It's a great golf term. The ball is oscillating. Really? Mm-hmm. How does the ball oscillate in golf? Well, it's sitting there mm-hmm. and... You know, potentially if there's some wind involved or if there's you know a, a lie in the rough that you're trying to gauge and you put your club behind it, is that ball still oscillating? Is it resting there? I think of oscillating as when we were in school, the oscillating fans. Remember like, am I the only one that when, when you hear the sound of it's a fan... It's fan season in the Bowen household. Or, yeah, or right when you like, hear the fan, especially the oscillating fan and it goes away from you and then it comes back, it almost like lulls you to sleep. Yeah. That and the sound of Mr. Greenwood mowing the lawn off in the like baseball diamonds with the windows open. But again, I'm old enough that we didn't have we didn't have air conditioning in my day. 
Back the fan the oscillating, probably good uh, tempo for your golf swing. <laughs> you know, actually, considering the radio station and what I'm about to say about Chris Ballard, you could say that the fan oscillating is simply the radio station and what I'm about to do, right? Such a pro. Thank you. Um, so at times I give Ballard credit, and then at times I, I look at it and I go, well, wait a minute, and I'm maybe too harsh, too critical. But let me offer you an opinion or an observation, and then you tell me in my oscillation, Kevin, whether I'm being too critical or it's a fair critique, okay? I know that Chris Ballard likes to load up on draft picks and doesn't like trading away draft picks and assets. I know that Chris Ballard likes having salary cap space to be able to round out his roster maybe with free agency or whatever it may be. So I know that when it comes to roster building, he is not over, overly aggressive, but rather he's like patient. And that's good. And I can appreciate and respect all of that. Then I have to remind myself, but when do you, does it start paying off? Like when is he going to utilize what it is that he is, this, this conservative, patient approach how long do we go with that before we're like, okay, for what reason are we doing this? You don't want to go out and spend big money on free agency. I get that. You don't want to spend a bunch of money and get Andre Johnson and Frank Gore here. I, I totally understand. Yeah, I think it's a happy medium between Grigson and Ballard and how you attack free agency. That's a really good way of saying it. So am I being too critical in saying I can respect the conservative and patient approach, however... I also think to myself, but when do we start seeing the benefit of it? No, I don't think you're being too critical because, Jake, my counter to that would be, or what I would ask you would say, okay, you've gone this conservative approach. Can you show me the results? Right. And what would you hand me? Zero division titles, one playoff win, and I don't believe the upper quartile is relevant to a team GM by Chris Boward here over the last seven years. So... um, you know, I, I saw someone around the month of March kind of make the analogy to free agency as it's the ability to, you know, take an aspirin for your migraine. It's a little bit of Advil for the headache. Like, it's not the cure-all. The draft tends to be kind of where you can potentially cure all things, and cure-all might be too aggressive of a phrase to use, but it does allow you to kind of bandage some things up. And yeah, you're going to have to make a sacrifice. You're going to have to pay a little bit of a premium dollar, but again, as, as much as people made fun of the Jacksonville Jaguars last year for what they did in free agency, they, and this might be too bold of a statement, they arguably saved Trevor Lawrence's career in supporting him and at a critical juncture of yeah. year two, they helped Trevor Lawrence find footing in the NFL, and now all of a sudden we talk about Jacksonville and we talk about Lawrence in a very, very different light. Uh, ironically, as we start this discussion, the Colts <laughs> just made, and I literally said to you during the break, let's talk Colts. I had no idea this would be this would happen. Uh, they just made a veteran signing. This is at, I would assume, the defensive end position. Uh, Jannard Avery, 28-year-old D-end, uh, I would say the thing to note on his resume, did start 12 games for Philly two years ago, so that's a playoff team for the Eagles. Uh, so Shane Steichen has some history certainly there with him. Uh, eight and a half career sacks in 62 games, so not earth-shattering by any means on that front, but uh, we know Chris Bauer does love defensive line depth, and yeah. 
You're seeing one here. Time for my favorite game, Gerard Avery. Now, if you I, already, I, I think it's Gennard. I, I oh, again, it's kind of confusing me okay. too. G E N A R D. College for Gennard Avery. Unless you already know, Kevin, please I, please don't say that if you know. Just, I do, but Graham and Jake play the college uh, game away. And Mark, we can see if he's still awake and have his. Uh, <clears throat> and you said um, been in the league since 2018, Gennard Avery. Allow me if I if I could fifth Kevin, round pick of the Browns. Let, back let in me let me ask this question: the college that he attended from 2018 to current, do you believe that they have ever been one that appears in the when they first do the college football playoff rankings and they always announce like the top ten each week on a Tuesday night? Yeah, has his school ever flirted with being mentioned in that area? I can feel pretty confident in saying they have not ever received a vote in the top 10 of the college football playoff rankings. And I would venture to get... I could be wrong on this, uh, but I don't think it would have been for very long if they had. I'm not sure if they've even been in the top 25. At all? At all. Okay, then one one further question, and then I will leave it to Graham here to make his first wager. Uh, have Has his school ever, to your knowledge, in the last, let's say, 10 years, been a top five seed in the NCAA basketball tournament? Give me the time frame again. Nah, last 10 years. I don't think so. If you stretched it to 15, yeah. If you stretch it to 15, kind of a hell of a run. Um, And let me go back on the, I still am confident, no top 10 ranking. But now that I look at what they've done over the last five years, they probably have been top 25. Okay. But I still feel confident in the not top 10. Graham, would you like to wager a guess of this university of mystery of which we're speaking that apparently Mark Dykton looked up? Well, I know because I... Well, well how do you know? Yeah. Graham, um, give us a guess here. Let's say UCLA. I'm going to... 17th was their highest ranking now that I'm looking at it. In basketball? Uh, football. football. You're gonna lie. I was going to say Western Kentucky. Jake's hot. Not too far off. Okay. Not UAB? Still in the hot-ish region. <laughs> Graham, feel free to I chime one, in. I unless one more guess have here. seven more guesses. Here comes Southern Miss. That's actually... Now, I've never played this before. What does hot mean? Like, a few states away? What? Or in the exact Wait, wait, state? wait, 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 wait. Are you an American? I mean, yeah. So, like, when you were a kid, you didn't play a guessing game, and somebody's like, "Oh my gosh, you are so you're red hot, you are red hot." Like that hot like, versus cold, like cold, you're further away from. Like, it. Oh, yeah. So does hot mean that it's in Kentucky? Yeah. Well, okay. To be to be fair to Graham, I think hot it could have been utilized as temperature in that case, like parts of the country. At least I hope that's where he was going with that. Um, hot, as in geographically, you are in the right area. Jake is in the right area. Okay. Then my last guess is going to be. Think more on the basketball front. Uh, okay, my last guess would be Murray State. Riveting radio, by the way, here. I know. Xavier. Uh, Got one, Graham? Have... Xavier. Uh, I don't even know if they play football at Xavier. Um, Memphis. Okay. I guess they were 10-2 and two the other year. Memphis, in, in by the way, do you know the last Memphis player drafted by the Colts? I believe this is correct. Ooh. I thought it was a pretty good player. They, they probably over drafted on this guy like they took him too high but he had a few moments he had hmm. a key moment this player had a key moment in the monday night miracle the tampa bay game this guy had a key moment 
Was Brad Pyatt from Memphis? Brad Pyatt was Northern Colorado. Uh, Idris Bashir. Oh, yeah, safety. Idris Bashir, yeah, who recovered the onside pick, right? kick, yeah. So they've kind of overdrafted on him, but he, he he was a decent player. Yeah. So, again, June 1st, NFL-wise, you can tend to see some veteran moves here over the next couple of weeks. I still am of the thinking of if you are supporting Anthony Richardson, a.k.a. offensive line pass-catching help, boom, explore it. That's the biggest key to the season. If it's going to maybe take away from defensive young guys playing time, I'm content with you not exploring it. I saw a video yesterday of Will Levis working out and was immediately relieved that the Colts didn't take him. Did you see this video of the workouts that they were doing in Tennessee? I did not. Uh, Will Levis, I don't know how to describe this. I found it awkward. Uh, He looked like, okay, have you seen Revenge of the Nerds? Yes. Boy, this is not going down the direction. I think in Revenge of the Nerds, there's a scene where the the Lambda Lambda Lambdas, aka the Nerds, as a prank, they put um, heat like 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 liquid heat, like the muscle rub liquid heat in the jock strap of all the jocks, right? And then they show uh, who what's ogre and the rest of the jocks, like when that when the when it hits them in practice and they're all standing there like jostling back and forth like in sheer pain and discomfort likewise if you've seen american pie when finch gets the laxative in his mochaccino and then he's running down the hallway will levis looked like that as they were standing doing these drills and i and and i'm fairly convinced jeremy sent it to me uh with the excellent point of it has to be the mayonnaise right certainly yeah i mean i Certainly um, hugged the toilet for a while. So he does this drill where he's doing the old, um, you, you know, cheek collapse dance. And then he does a throw, and it, the throw looked like the tire of Felix Rosenquist or Kyle Kirkwood's car. I mean, it just was like, wh- where is he throwing this? He looked, I mean, one one throw does not whatever make, but he looked completely out of sorts. I, I think I almost feel bad for Will Levis. Like, we're, we're to the point now where everything he does, everyone's going to look at with a critical eye. Because of the fact he fell? Or because of the mayonnaise? No, I just feel like the dude can do no right right now. Like, if that was Anthony Richardson or Bryce Young, do we even mention it? But no, it's Will Levis, and we love to, like, poke fun at Will Levis for some reason. Hey, doesn't it feel that way? Am I yeah. the only one? It feels no. like he is the punching bag. I would agree with that. Like, he's turned into this, like, oh, the social media post and the shirt off. And, like, he now, everyone just wants to. Well, you know, and he kind of has poke, a little. Poke, poke. He has a little AJ McCarron in him, too, in the fact that people are like, whoa, like his girlfriend's hotter than he is. And, you know, that kind of thing, right? Yeah, it just seems like. Boy, there is all something. Of a sudden, this is, like, built up. There was, like, something. I would agree with you that Will Levis, for whatever reason, got kind of selected or picked as the guy that everyone was going to dislike. And then, like during the draft process, is like, oh, he's cocky. His teammates didn't like him. And you talk to like anybody in the NFL, and they were like, uh, the Kentucky teammates loved him. Right. He literally like played through tons of injuries there, transferred, won over that 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 locker room, like. Yeah, so I don't know. Just seems like it's kind of the the punching bag right now in the NFL. Uh, this from show listener Derek, who by the way is from Mississippi. Says Avery is from my hometown. Really? Grenada High School. How about that? I remember when when Ronald Reagan had to send the troops in to rescue those people from Grenada High School? Oh my gosh. That was horrible. <laughs> that was that was one of your worst. Graham's giving me the break sign. It yeah, says Graham. up there 85705. What are we doing? We've got another what segment. Are, well, the, I, the, nobody told me that. We'll be back in a few. Remember Kevin when Mark Quarry, used to work here? Lord. 
Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Lord. By the way, I wanted to mention one thing that's upcoming, I believe this weekend, uh, happens to be actually at my alma mater, North Central High School, which is at 1801 East 86th Street. But starting on Saturday, beginning at 8.35 in the morning and then really running all day, 8.35, 11, and 2 o'clock on Saturday, then Sunday at 8 o'clock in the morning. If you've never seen Beep Ball, which the Indy Thunder is the team from Indianapolis. You might have seen them around town in different uh, events because they've been multiple World, World Series champions. But Beep Ball, which is baseball for the visually impaired, it's I love watching it. It's fascinating to watch. Basically, the batter comes up. The pitcher is actually from his team. And the ball is kind of the size, a little bit bigger than a softball. But it has a beeping device in it. And the batter is visually impaired. Everyone wears a sleep shade over their eyes so that the impairment is equal across the board. And you are at bat just like you would be in normal baseball, but you're listening for the beep of the ball. Mm -hmm. Once you hit the ball, there is a, a scorekeeper that hits a button, and each base, first base or third base as we know it, each one has essentially a tackle dummy. And when you hit the ball they push a button that then signifies for either because you don't know which one it's going to be. The first base or third base to beep. You have to run to the base. If you get to the base and essentially touch it or tackle it before the fielder is able to retrieve the ball and raise it above their head, then you have scored a run. If the fielder gets to the baseball before you get to the base, then that is an out. It's fascinating to watch. I, I find it totally enjoyable and fun to watch. and Free as well, by the way, for people looking to head out there. Cleveland, St. Louis, Philadelphia, Baton Rouge, well, Bayo City, that might be New Orleans, uh, but a Louisiana team, Boston and Chicago, all with teams here, and then Indy Edge, which was... Two Indy teams, right? Yeah, so the Thunder and the Edge, both in it. Uh, games are free, open to the public. This is North Central High School, Saturday from 8 a.m. until 2, essentially, and then Sunday starting at 8 a.m. It is very cool to watch. Best of luck to both Indy teams. 22nd annual. It's awesome to see that continuing. And, yeah, up on the north side, free, starting 8 o'clock, both Saturday and Sunday at North Central. Uh, so Pacers conversation on the other side with Scott Agnes as a big prospect in the building today. For the- Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Pacers. You got big plans for the gorgeous Thursday, Kevin? I don't. Off to Colts tomorrow. Um, so that's kind of the big thing on that agenda. Don't we have a meeting here after the show? We do. Uh, tonight at 7.30, I think. The the Midtown, is that Carmel? 
So a bunch of friends were like, they were like, we're going to do like a get together for Jake's graduation at Sun King. And I'm like, how about the one in Fishers? They're like, no, we'd rather go to the one in Carmel. Like, the one in Carmel is awesome. I'd, I'd rather go to the one in Fishers. I don't want to dodge 10,000 little kids playing Nerf football, but we're going to the one in Carmel apparently. Gosh, boy, there goes any chance I'm taking my kids out with Jake. If I, like, can, can we do 7.30? And they're like, nope, 7. They've okay. got a great patio there. You don't have to be worried about all that area outside, the one in Carmel. They do. All the parking and construction and garages up there drives me nuts. But Let's try anybody, to do anybody nice wants for to join. Jake, and then he's just going to moan about it. Anybody wants to join, 7.30 tonight at the Sun King and Carmel will be up there. Scott Agnes from Fieldhouse Files. He'll be a busy man this afternoon over at the Pacers facility for Cam Whitmore, the Villanova wing, uh, working out for the Pacers. Scott joins us now on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Scott, I'd say easily this is the best prospect they've had in, right? Yeah, good morning. Yeah, absolutely. Leonard Miller was one of a, a group workout yesterday. Until today, he would have been the, the number one guy that they had brought in thus far. Who would you say, you know, what is it, 15, 16? I, I forget the exact number of prospects they've brought in so far. Again, the best one is Whitmore. I guess who would you say on the list so far has been the most intriguing to you or, or maybe to them? Yeah, I think you got to. It's got to be Whitmore, and uh, they they've already done three workouts, three guys each. So today will be fourth workout with nineteen guys in total, and, and this is no surprise. They're probably going to push well over fifty uh, as usual. Um, so that that's very typical. Next week, it sounds like they have a workout almost every day. And what's interesting about all of that too is. Because where they're selecting, at least right now, they basically have a pick in almost all the tiers. Yeah. Therefore, that encourages players and especially agents to to send their players to the pitches. Whereas normally, let's take their average, right? They're normally like 20th and 50th. Well, you know, you can really weed out a lot of different players amongst those groups. And if you think your guy's going in the top 15, I think of Aaron Holiday, for instance back in the day you know thought he was going much earlier did not come for a workout with the pacers and then ultimately was still available so to the larger point this should allow the pacers to get a a much more thorough look at this entire class which can be helpful not just this year but you know the next couple years and down the road afterwards but in terms of the best prospect yet it's definitely going to be thus far cam whitmore um who is coming today as a solo workout uh, I know that one of the big questions people always have is, you know, what does that mean because he's solo? Normally, it doesn't mean much other than one of two things. It's usually either it's by agent request, and and he does have uh, one of the, the power agents like Ben Matherin did who requested a, a solo workout, or it just means, hey, all of a sudden he has his day available and his schedule and it's not like you can easily find five other guys to come for a workout. And so um, it will be a solo workout. I, I actually think they're less helpful because you don't get to see them against competition. They can get tired easily. This guy's barely eight, barely 18, um, very young. He said he's always one of the younger guys in his class coming up from the DMV out in um, D.C. area. Um, but he, he's one of those fierce competitors that the Pacers really like. Um, and that's kind of been one of the, the attributes they've really sought after starting last year, I think, with Mather and guys. I think it's that it's that guy that wants to win, that hates to lose, that has that um, fierce mentality like Matherin and, and really comes to play every single night. And, and Whitmore is absolutely one of them. Scott, one of the things I wanted to touch on with you, you know, the photo the other day, 
I don't think it's unusual for Larry Bird to be around the facility, but they I, I don't know if it was the Pacers or you or whoever it was that said that you know he's now officially a consultant again. My understanding was that he had kind of gone away from that title. He had been Pacers president, now he's back. I know that Donnie Walsh had been a consultant. He's retired. Where do things stand in terms of Larry Bird's contribution, and is this a new title for him with the organization? So this is how I understand it. I reported back on July or in July last year, he was off the books. You know, he, he no longer had a company Correct. email. He, he, he was done. That was as of July 1 of this past year. Then I started to hear in the spring that, hey, keep an eye, Larry may be back. Well, I hadn't seen him. He then was at the first pre-draft workout. That was back on May 12th. So, boom, there was my story, obviously. Larry Bird back in the house. Um, and I talked with Rick Carlisle briefly. He said he had been a consultant with us since the beginning of this past season. Um, so that's that's officially what the Pacers have said. This is the first time, though, that I had seen Larry Bird since the pandemic. He had not. He he has always been at, at these draft workouts previously in his previous role as a consultant, um, but had not been there for obvious reasons, just because the the pandemic and spending a lot more time down in South Florida and such. So notable, absolutely, that he was back in the fold here. But again, this is just a consultant role. He's not in here to make the final decision. He, I've always been told he loves the draft and the draft workout and seeing these young guys and seeing who pushes pushes themselves and who competes. And so I think that's a lot of part, part of it is he, he just wants to be back in the fold, at least right now. And he can, like Donnie was, as you referenced, is another um, veteran voice that they can bounce ideas off of. Scott, Scott Agnes with us here from Fieldhouse Files. Scott, I want to throw a question at you. Actually, Daniel, listener, emailed this to me earlier, and Jake and I were getting in the debate of, okay, three weeks from tonight is the draft. Do you go best player available? Do you go best fit? You know, And I guess Cam Whitmer kind of falls into that category. He might be the best player available, but is he too similar to a guy like Benedict Matherin? Uh, so I guess I'll ask it from a what you think the Pacers thought process is because w- when I hear the Pacers talk about this offseason they've made it very clear the type of skill set and position mm-hmm. they are looking for so based off what they are saying do you feel like the Pacers are almost looking for best fit over best player available if they do indeed take that selection at seven yeah so I, I believe it's best player available and I and then I even tossed that question at Kevin in Chicago at the pre-draft workout and he said um, he's done it both ways in the past and they've both got him into trouble you know sometimes it works out best player available and sometimes fit but it, it's best player available is all indications and everything he seems to be saying and suggesting and I and I'm I'm totally on board with that because you need talent you need the best, highest ceiling talent right now, even if you have to figure out the roster decisions later. I, I think that's the level you, you have to get to right now. And, and for them, there's so many good options right there at that, that wing spot. And Whitaker is a weird spot, right? Because he's like six, six basically without shoes. Well, who plays basketball without shoes? All right, so he's at least six, seven. Um, plays plays kind of that rugged guard spot, but more out on the wing is versatile. You, we heard Kevin Pritchard during his exit interview basically talk about how they don't even think of get players in traditional positions in terms of one through five. They talk more like, you know, ball handler, wing, forward, you know, those sorts of things. So I don't get too caught up in those positions. It's clear they don't need a center. It's clear they don't need a point guard. But I think what what they need – 
is everything in between, whether it's more shooting, whether it's defending, and it's certainly at that fourth spot as a power forward. Yeah, again, Jarris Walker, Houston, Taylor Hendricks, Central Florida, two names that I'm pretty intrigued by there, potentially at seven. Um, Jake asked about, you know, a former Pacer uh, coming back into the fold as a consultant. I know it was a little bit of a different role, and there was a connection to Larry Bird, but uh, what would you think about a Dan Burke reunion here in Indiana or the possibility of that happening with Philly staff getting canned where Dan was with Doc Rivers? Yeah, I mean, it would make a lot of sense in terms of the comfort, the fit factor. It's actually Rick Carlisle who brought Dan Burke here in the first place from Portland, by the way. Um, but I, I just don't see room on the staff. Where are you going to create room? Uh, Rick's very comfortable with his group, with Lloyd Pierce, with Ron Nora and Mike Weiner, even Jenny Busick behind the bench. Um, I, I I haven't talked with Dan, I'll tell you that, just yet. I wanted to kind of let things um, settle in after that that abrupt ending there with Philly, both in the playoffs and then um, Doc getting fired. I, I'll be curious what he wants next. Whether he decides kind of fit, comfort, uh, uh, you know, a fellow head coach that he really enjoys, likes working with, or or does he choose kind of destination, maybe the the best option or the highest paying place, uh, things like that. But he he loved his time in Indy. I can tell you that he was back several times this past year just alone to check on David Benner. Then he came back incredibly on a back-to-back to be at the the reception that was kind of held in the entry pavilion for David Benner as well. So he has so many close family and friends, but I, I do not know the, his current status. I just don't see it happening the way the Pacers coaching staff is already well-built and set. Scott, do you think – yesterday I saw a story. Scott Agnes is our guest on the Payload Sickers Hotline. Brandon Miller, who is the massively talented forward out of Alabama, seemingly exactly what Indiana could use. But there was a story yesterday after the incident with Brandon Miller and the shooting, a fatal shooting that involved a teammate of his where he delivered the bag that had the gun in it. He was never charged. But supposedly during workouts and interviews with teams, he had a letter from his attorney saying, that he could not speak on the matter. Will that, A, cause Brandon Miller to slide in the draft, and B, would you agree with me that he is a player that the Pacers are in love with? Yeah, so I, I had not heard that, but if that's the case, I mean, for one, you, these, these teams are doing incredible due diligence, and they have been for years. So their their portfolio of info and intel on, on Brandon Miller is probably – several hundred pages deep at this point. But what I will say is when we were at the pre-draft combine, I was listening in briefly to Brandon, and he, he was able and willing to discuss um, you know, that incident, how it affected him, how he learned from that situation, not to put himself in that scenario, how he's got to be smarter than that, he was apologetic, those sorts of things. So that's why um, that report is a little bit surprising. But, yeah, if I'm – if I'm one of these teams that bring, is able to bring him in for a pre-draft workout, I want, I want the full authentic him, him in terms of telling me the full story of how it went down. So that would be a little bit of a, a yellow flag for me, um, to be clear. In terms of the Pacers' interests, I don't know about uh, – I am unclear on whether they you know, are in love with the game he would – provide to the team i, I knew, know it's someone they absolutely have to do their due diligence in. i just don't 
it's going to be difficult, I think, to move all the way up to those top three spots. Those are the three spots everybody wants, especially one, obviously. And no way you trade out of one. But uh, I, I think it's going to take a bounty probably to, to get up to those top two spots, and I'm just not sure it's worth it. Well, yeah, and again, two-way street there. You know, Is Charlotte going to look at themselves as a, as a franchise and say, hey, we're going to trade out? Of two, um, Scott Agnes from Fieldhouse Files is with us. Scott, I feel like every like by month. The way, I was going to say KB though. Consider the decision Charlotte has though, right? They had all those issues this past year with Bridges and his domestic violence. Uh, I think arrest or dispute or whatever that charge was to to a point where he was suspended thirty games. I think he still has another ten games. And then what if you then bring Brandon Miller into the fold? Good I don't point. know. Maybe just yeah. from an optics standpoint, that's tough. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how you know, Charlotte kind of views that at two. Uh, it seems like when we have you on, I don't know, maybe every couple of months, we're, we're due for a Bally Sports update. <laughs> and I don't know if you saw the story. Do you see the story from the Padres in Major League Baseball? I did, yes. Okay, could you kind of fill our listeners in on that and where things... I know Major League Baseball is different from a Bally standpoint than the NBA. Uh, obviously, in season, if the NBA was still going on right now, maybe there would be more of a storyline there. But uh, basically, the Padres side of it from Bally Sports and what you've heard about the future with Bally in regards to the Pacers. Yeah, my understanding from that Padres situation was Bally has certain deals where they can kind of not pay and get out of, and in turn, um, the MLB, which has a fantastic streaming platform, I think is what the basis of ESPN Plus now is. I forget what it is. It's called, excuse me there, but um, MLB does terrific back-end streaming, so they're just taking it over and then developing you know, kind of their own pay platform. I think it's like $20 a month or $75 for the rest of the season for Padres fans to be able to watch it, and Interestingly enough, they actually now could have a larger audience because it's not restricted to having one of those uh, cable bundles or anything like that. It's just a one-off, so it makes it available to everybody. Um, But in terms of the Pacers, I have not heard anything directly about them or Bally Sports outside of um, them receiving seven seven Emmy nominations. But in terms of the direction of, of next season or anything, nothing new on that front to report. What do you think, like, do you think it's much more of a league-wide issue like is this where the nba just kind of needs to step in and say all right from an art regional sports network standpoint we're gonna do this you know or in phoenix's case if i'm not i think matt ishbia their 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 new owner did something a little bit different with their you know regional sports network situation how much do you think the league could step in at some point and just kind of overhaul everything or do you think this is very individualized by each ownership group yeah, it's just also complicated because there's millions and millions of dollars involved, all these billion-dollar organizations and the teams. And the latest that I've seen, in, in fact, of Ishbia and the Phoenix Suns organization is that it won't be allowed, that it, that it, they were sued and went to court and, and they ruled in favor uh, of the cable, the regional network out there. So I haven't heard anything beyond that here in the last couple of weeks because I was intrigued to see, hey, could they make that work? What does it look like? They were pushing, hey, this, this will open us up to, you know, three million eyeballs, three, a, a much larger population. Well, Indy doesn't have that, but, um, you know, I'd be all for something that would allow more people to view it because that's what it all comes down to um, is, is exposing the product Pacers basketball to not just more fans, but also younger fans. It's the same way um, we had out at IMS, those sorts of things. So I don't, I don't think there's any great clarity. And to your point, KB, 
I, I think it's something that everyone's trying to figure out because they were so dependent on the regional networks, and I guess still are. That is the largest individual income stream to the Pacers and probably to most teams. I mean, the, and the Lakers deal, by the way, is, is probably 10x whatever the Pacers number is. That's how substantial these regional cable deals were, at least to these teams. But now I'm not sure where the course correction is, and, and that's why I was so eager to see what it looked like with Phoenix because you needed somebody to be rich enough and bold enough to try something else. Maybe it'll have to be, I don't know, Steve Ballmer out in the Clippers. He's done a little – he's done separate side broadcasts that also go on the NBA app, but he has not been bold enough to completely ditch a regional network. I'm telling you, can you like the Padres thing? If you're a Padres fan, and I mean, can you imagine the talk radio in San Diego and in yeah. the poor Scott Agnes of San Diego that's got to explain this to the two idiots in the morning in San Diego about the whole TV thing going back to that? I mean, the hell. At some point, don't. And Major League Baseball, I would argue, is even more reliant on it. Totally. I don't know, though. If you live in San Diego, aren't you like, oh, the Padres aren't on TV, yeah, but, I'll go surfing. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> I guess I bring that up to say this, Jake. Think about alternate broadcasts from Major League Baseball not on the regional sports networks. Apple TV on Friday nights. Uh, you know, b- baseball tonight. Like, uh, gone. you know, it, whereas in the NBA, you have ESPN broadcasts. You have ABC broadcasts. You have TNT. It's a little bit more readily available. Again, not as much for the small markets, but I just, I don't know. I feel like Major League Baseball is at a bigger issue with it all, but certainly the NBA has got a huge decision to make. I mean, I don't know. You're right. Interesting stuff for certain. Uh, Scott, what was Matherin doing at the finals yesterday? I love the Jermaine O'Neal pinstripe. Right, and with with his hair and braids from behind, he looks like him. That's the scary part, I thought. like, But, uh, no, uh, the NBA has, has had four rookies, four all members of the all-rookie team out there uh, to kind of be social media correspondents. So I, I think they'll just pre- be creating a little bit of content for the NBA app and for NBA social media channels. So they did post one clip yesterday. Ben posted it as well on his Twitter feed of him going up and asking Jamal Murray, a guy he's close with, a fellow Canadian, uh, a question. The best part about it, KB, was he was like, hey, you remember, I think it was in 2019, we were at Basketball Without Borders. We played one-on-one. What happened? And Jamal's like, uh, yeah, dude, whatever. Like, I'm in the finals press conference. I don't, I don't remember. And Ben goes through it like he's a LeBron and tells him play by play. It was hilarious uh, about what happened there. And it also speaks, I think, a lot to Matherin's competitiveness that he remembers this pickup game that probably meant nothing to Jamal Murray four years ago, but it meant everything to him. You know, I was watching that, and I was thinking to myself, exactly that. I'm thinking, if you're Jamal Murray, aren't you like, look, man, it's, right. not, about, it's not about you right now, right? That, that's yeah, what I, entirely. Know. He's sitting there at the NBA Finals ready for the biggest game and moments of his life. By the way, Murray had a, a miserable last couple of years mentally trying to get over the hurdle of an ACL. And so, yeah, he, he's not thinking about this basketball without borders camp, although they are good friends. And then there was other videos, by the way, of Matherin, you know, talking to Aaron Gordon. And Aaron Gordon was like, hey, what are you doing out here on the court? And he's like, I'm, I'm media. He's like, Aaron Gordon is like, so they're going to get you courtside. And Ben was like, I don't know. And I, I wanted to go, Ben. Don't worry, those courtside seats, those are no more in the media. I could teach you that. Yeah, you're right about that. Scott, I know I know you love predictions. Let's hear one for the finals. 
Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can't go away from Denver, how dominant they've been. Jokic, I think, and I was a big fan. I would have voted him MVP during the regular season. I was not too caught up in, hey, what does this mean for history if he has won three in a row, which I think a lot were. But I think he's too unstoppable right now. And playing dominant, I'm a big proponent of them having all this rust. The fact that they, or excuse me, had all this rest and haven't had to play for the last 10 days, whereas Miami's got to be just on its last leg. That um, all those factors, I, I think it's Denver's year, KB. How about you? Yeah, I, I went with Denver. I, it is interesting to see. Um, I think Reggie Miller yesterday, I believe there was someone else on ESPN that both picked Miami. Jake, you said Miami in, in six? Well, I, I, yeah, you know what? Here's the thing. Do I think Miami's really going to win? I don't, but I've learned my lesson from doubting Eric Spolstra and Jimmy Butler. So mm-hmm. I'll say Miami in six. Yeah, I, I win Denver in five. But the layoff is interesting. I just think they've got no answer for, for Jokic, and if Bam gets in foul trouble, oh boy. That's fair. That's right. Fair. And Jokic is so smart, he's the engine of their offense. So whatever they throw at him, okay, he'll pass out of it or he'll set everybody else up. I think he's, he's great at calling audibles. And yeah. they're a te- they're they're a team. Their culture is strong, much like Miami. I, I haven't seen that from Boston in many years. It's all about me, me, me. Did I get my points? No, it's Tatum. No, it's Brown. You know, is it Market Smarts Night? Like that did not seem like a collection of guys rather than just individuals trying to get theirs. Um, and plus, you got a first year head coach. That's terribly difficult. Uh, that I don't think fans understand. And on top of that, he didn't have coaches that he was super close with. So I think you'll see his coaching staff being remade a little bit. And if I'm Boston and Brad Stevens, by the way, Dan Burks, you mentioned him earlier. I'm just thinking about it now, but bringing in someone like him, a veteran who could help handle so many things, DB would be perfect up there, but we'll see. Yeah, to your point, Jokic is a hell of a seven-foot quarterback and how he's able to oh, orchestrate. And he is the least like – I mean, you look at him and you're like, really? This dude's the one like killing people in the NBA? Just sees things one, two plays ahead of everybody else. Scott, thanks for uh, the time this morning. Again, final start tonight at 8 o'clock, our coverage here on The Fan. And Scott, will have you today with Cam Whitmore's workout. Thanks, Scott. You bet. Thanks, guys. Scott Agnes right there on the Payless Sickers hotline. Mark, I don't know if you've sprinkled this at all, but you know a, a finals bet that I kind of like here getting away from Denver, Miami. So the obvious MVP is who? Jokic. Jokic. Minus 340. I mean, Murray? just awful odds. I'm sprinkling a little Jamal Murray at plus twelve hundred. Not a not a bad idea. It's ten bucks to win one twenty. Yeah, can't hurt. What's Jimmy Butler? Butler's at four thirty. So obviously you you have your two big ones. You know, one from each team, and then a huge drop off to Murray, and then a huge drop off to anyone else. But I mean, think about some of the fourth quarters Murray's had in these playoffs. If he hits a game winner, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, I know the the. The point spread, people don't always play that well. But if you've taken the heat and the points that they've been given this entire playoff series, you won a lot of money, and they're currently at plus nine. We'd have a house I, on South I, Beach I would right jump now. all over that tonight. Yeah, nine is a lot. I, I couldn't believe so many people made that big of a story out of the Miami Heat booking a flight to Denver. Have you ever worked in an operations department or seen how a professional sports team operates? They all have alternate flights, of course. Of course they have to be ready to go to Denver. And I'm telling you, the altitude thing is real. Sure. Have you been to Denver? Yeah, oh yeah. Mark, you been to Denver? The first time that I went to Denver... They say don't drink on the first night out there. Isn't that the thing they say? Well, you know, the first time I went to Denver ever, I remember I was at University of Kansas. I went with a couple of buddies. We went 
for the weekend to one of the guys that I knew who was from Denver. And we were playing pickup basketball and like, Jake, commentate for us. And like, I couldn't do it. I was like trying to do the play by play. Literally, it was the day we got to Denver. I'd never been there. The last time that I went to Denver, I flew into Denver and then drove to, uh, I think they say Manitou is how they say it. They're Manitou Incline, Manitou Incline, whatever it is, near Pikes Peak. And I was driving and I had music on. And I remember it was um, straight out of Compton came on, and I was trying to sing along to it, and like I couldn't do, I couldn't get the words out, and I'm like, "What is going on?" So there's a lot of bad words in there. Well, I know, yeah, it was. I was. It, this was the non-explicit version, oh. and then I did the incline the next day, and went from that, and then that night drove to the top of Pikes Peak and was totally fine at the top of Pikes Peak, and they're like, "Yeah, because you did the incline, you acclimated, accelerated." I don't know if that's even possible, but the but the altitude thing is real, man. You need like two or three days. It's not huge. Plus, I mean, imagine a flight Miami to Boston, Boston back to Miami, then Miami to Denver. Correct. Yeah. I mean, that's just yeah. rather pointless. So, uh, again, tip time tonight, eight thirty. Our coverage begins at eight o'clock, and we have the Stanley Cup final on our airwaves, I believe, as well. Uh, Saturday will be Game One. Uh, earlier in the week, we almost got kicked off the air debating What's when that? the Stanley Cup final started, who was playing in it. Final. It was one of the more chaotic twenty seconds it's in the history final. of the show. It's just final. I, I, I think I've said final. Like the Toronto Maple Leafs, it's not the leaves; it's the Leafs. It'll be the Panthers and the Knights coming up on and those Saturday. Aren't Black Panthers, they're Golden Panthers. Uh, let's uh, hit, mercifully hit a morning checkdown. Golden Knights. The morning checkdown. On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Why are Las Vegas, why are they the Knights? It's a great question. I don't know. Is there a history of some sort of a history of Knights walking around Las Vegas? I'm just excited for my athletics. Although I guess Vegas Knights does have a ring to it now, doesn't yeah, it? You could have a lot of role play with that out in <laughs> Vegas. Okay. Uh, these cards they're handing me on the sidewalk here. Zach Eady back to Purdue. Do you think life for Zach Eady, you think you would want to be Zach Eady? Do you think you'd want to be that tall? There are a lot of inconveniences. Can you imagine flying somewhere? There are a lot of inconveniences. He has How many pictures? Set the over-under at 3,023 pictures Zach Eady is asked to take on West Lafayette's campus next year. Oh. I, over, right? My dad's going to go crazy when he sees this. Zach, do you care if I get a picture? They're like, oh, man, like Jeremy's only 5'6". You got to stand next to Zach Eady. Uh, yeah. I went to a Purdue game this year, and I saw Mrs. Eady, Julia, I believe is her name, uh, get asked for several pictures on the concourse during halftime. Really? I'm like, boy, I mean, I, I get he's making yeah nice money, but uh, Zach Eady, back to Purdue, and Purdue, uh, you would think, would be preseason ranked very high this season as they bring back a whole lot. Jake, he certainly took it right up to the deadline last night, 9.30, 10 o'clock. He did, and then finally, uh, simply a video of Purdue putting his jersey back to say that Zach Eady will be back. Curious to see if they do any sort of wrinkles to their offense to allow him to showcase a little more what it might be that the NBA is looking for. And again, the trickle-down effect, do we see a Trey Kaufman Wren explore, exploring at all the transfer portal, or is he content to have have a similar role that he had last year. So something to keep an eye on in Bloomington. Now that the NBA draft deadline has passed, do they try to find that pool? It's not a huge pool, but there's certainly a pool of guys that are going back to school that could be looking around portal-wise. Uh, Major League Baseball yesterday. Break up the Red Legs. They defeat the Boston Red Sox 5-4. Five-game win streak now for the Reds. It was Tampa over Chicago. That would be the Cubs 4-3. Mets over the Phillies yesterday 4-1. Uh, other scores of note. Let's see. The White Sox won. Or no, lost. They they lost to the Angels 12-5. Otani. 
Home runs 14 and 15 along with four RBI for Shohei Itani. Uh, the cute fella was defeated by Cleveland 12-8. Indianapolis Indians 13-1 winners over the Toledo Mudhens. Talked about this with Scott Agnes a few minutes ago. Cam Whitmore, the Villanova wing, uh, easily the highest ranked prospect the Pacers have had in so far for a draft workout. He is in today. It's the first solo workout the Pacers have done here in the draft cycle. Again, pick seven. 26, 29, 32, and 50. So they cover a lot of avenues with these draft picks right now. But uh, Whitmore, I think, honestly, most of the mock drafts I've seen Jake have him going above the Pacers. Uh, do you know what his name would be if he's not funny? Graham, is it time for a break? Uh, Cam, Cam Whitless. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think personally, Graham personally, is not laughing. I, I no, no. Graham, Graham is stunned. Actually, what Graham is doing is he's saying, "Speaking of wit, that's what he's saying." He's Cam like, is, this dude is fifty years Cam, old and acts like a child for Cam, three hours every Cam day. Cam is saying to himself, "Look, I'm just here to do some shadowing. I had no idea that I would be privy to such brilliance." That's exactly what he's saying right now. I always find people it wild. in their cars saying to themselves, "That's twice now this week that Jake has come up with just absolute mastery and and completely on deaf ears from everybody." I always find it wild, like when I leave the house my parenting of children continues you know usually when you leave you think work okay a little bit of break for that but when your daughter's old enough you're going to say you know once upon a time daddy worked with a guy and there was a guy named cam whitmore and he said that if he wasn't funny his name would be cam whitless and she's going to say that's actually pretty good we know what's going to happen kev is the kids are going to move out of the house and then Grandpa Jake is going to come stay. <laughs> come on, I got your mashed spaghetti right, right, already, Jake. Right around the time when someone's got to take care of me. <laughs> After his Nerf football comment earlier about Sun King, I don't think Jake wants any part of uh, Rosie Bowen. Sun King Ma- tonight, 7.30 in Carmel. Be there. I'm going to uh, tip back a few to celebrate my 35-year graduation. Pop quiz, 317-239-1070. Uh, that's on the other side, so give us a call. Pop quiz time, 317-239-1070. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. 70. Have you studied? Can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the Pop Quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. You know the uh, TV show I used to love was Stump the Schwab. Whatever happened to that? That guy was... He got stumped and he left. Really? Scotty said he got laid off by ESPN a decade ago? That guy ago? was so arrogant, which I guess is kind of what made the show, right? Yeah, I, I thought it was really well done. It was. I mean, it was a well done show. I think that's like perfect like summer content for ESPN. Fair. Do you remember when they did the, um, oh, well, it was the one that landed Mike, what's his name? The Yatza? No, the, the kid that's Mike Hall. What oh, was yeah. the name of the show? Like Dream Job or mm-hmm. whatever? Yeah. Now Mike Hall is Big Ten Network, right? Correct. He's been there for a long time. Yeah. He does a really nice job as Dave Revson. Uh, Revson's the best, man. He's a great dude. I think I feel like 
Big Ten Network with a hire of Revson and NFL Network with a hire of Rich Eisen. Just such great hires to kind of be their like faces. Yeah, yeah. early lead voices, faces, probably the best way. Revson really is a super nice guy. Yeah, I've always enjoyed when we've had him on. Mark, he does like a morning show now, so yeah. is that why he doesn't yeah, come on with I've us? Yeah, i tried to reach out to him and he's like, I'd love to do it, but our show is on the exact same time that you know, your, your show is. when he used to come on a, a former show that I did. He he was good friends with Derek. I don't know how they knew each other, but um, and he would come in during the Big Ten championships. You know, he would we would do a live show, and he would come on, and we'd have him on live. When when I got laid off and was out of work for quite some time, and had a little health issue in, in the interim, uh, he and I. It's not like we're buddies, right? Yeah. He reached out on numerous occasions. Really, I mean, super nice guy. Yeah, that's great to hear. Good dude. Yeah. I've always felt like a genuine nature when, when he comes on. Totally. And I feel like he walks a really nice balance of like, yes, I work for the Big Ten Network, but. I'm not here to say every Big Ten team's about to go 11-1. and one. Correct. Correct. Um, okay, it is time for the pop quiz. Scotty, I've just glanced at the answers. It looks manageable. Really manageable. More manageable than the uh, baseball player we don't know he's wearing today. <laughs> he says he's the eighth string oh, wait on a the Miami Mar- Marlins. Nice to have you back, Mark. Hi, nice to be here. <laughs> I mean, do you have to put in for a comp day for your 22 minutes of labor? I mean, I should. I probably earned it. Jacob, number one through eight. Uh, tonight is game one, so for the second straight day, we'll go with game number one. Game one. You know, by the way, the mascot competition, not even competition in these NBA finals. Denver in a sweep. Oh, <laughs> Rocky in a sweep over what anybody. What does the Miami Heat mascot even look like? It's just like the, they show up with two minutes to go in the first quarter. That is a good question. Oh, the Heat mascot is kind of like a Philly fanatic looking fella, but he's he's like white. Yeah, I can, I, I can picture him. Yeah. Uh, what, who'd you say, Mark? Sorry. I didn't say anything. Troy. Oh. I thought you said a number. Name. Troy, what's up? Bernie. The hey, guys. Mascot. Troy, you like Troy Gloss? Troy Beter. Are you a what USC is? fan? Uh, Not big time, no. I like fighting, but... No, USC, sorry. University of Southern California. Oh, no, no, no. Not real. I'm an Indiana guy. Uh, Troy, how old a fellow are you? I'm 61. Just 60. turned 61. Nice. Okay. Well, happy birthday. When's your birthday? May 6th. Okay, but, yeah. Well, happy hey, birthday. I, I got a quick comment for you guys. Okay. Jake, that was a great job on the 500. The pregame was awesome. And uh, Kevin, what do you have Rosie penciled in on the ball field? What do we got Rosie penciled in on the ball field? Yes. I think Rosie's picking flowers, to be honest with you, Troy. I, I, I'm not no. sure from a from, from a competition no. standpoint if uh, if Rosie's going to be doing a whole lot. I think she'll be, uh, yeah, she'll be looking for four-leaf clovers in the outfield. No, no, there's hope. Kevin, trust me, there's hope. I've coached for 25 years and been retired coaching for another 25 years. There's hope. You started coaching when you were 11? No, I'm just, I started coaching like 16 and gotcha. I got grandkids playing now. And so, Troy, long road. Uh, and I appreciate the kind words on the race, but I wanted to back up this real quick before we start. You said you enjoyed the pre race coverage, is that right? Yeah, I enjoyed the race too, but when you was going through the names. Oh, okay. Yep, yep. That. Oh, um, go ahead, Jake. Fill, fill, fill people in. Well, so that started, Troy, a number of years ago. I had a friend who passed away, and I mentioned him in the pre-race broadcast, and then uh, there was a race fan that I knew who had also passed, so I kind of incorporated him as well, and somebody said something to me about it, so the next year I just sent a tweet that said, if you lost a loved one in the last year who loved the 500, send me their name, and I'll try to work that in. 
and Mark Jaynes gets all the credit in the world here, our chief announcer for the radio network, called me the day before and said, you know what, why don't we just do that as an isolated segment so that you can get a few more names in there. So I, I had people tweet me the names. I went through the night before. I have my own criteria that allowed me to pick a handful of them, to read them on the air, to tribute those who uh, were with us in spirit for the race itself. So the fact, Troy, that you heard that and that you appreciated it, I appreciate that in turn. I actually put my dad's name on that list because 1972, we went to the Indianapolis 500, and he died and had a heart attack the next day on his go-kart. Really? Wow. After I the swear. 72 race. Well, I apologize that he that I didn't mention oh. him. What's your dad's name? Ralph Veter. Ralph, all right. Well, He was 39. Actually had a heart attack on his go-kart. Driving, drove right off into the field in Camden, Indiana. The day I, And I was at... It's a long story. I was with him every Sunday at the go-kart races, but that Sunday I stayed at my grandma's and grandpa's to go to the lakes fishing and stuff, which I only got to do a couple times. I wasn't with my dad that day. It was like the only day I wasn't there. Well, Troy, he was with us in spirit, man. I'll tell you what, that's the, that's the thing about the 500 that makes it great. All right. Um, would you like for me, that would be Jake or for Kevin, to lead you off with question number one, Troy? Let's go, Jake. You're a little older, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> a little old. Slightly. Yeah, slightly. <laughs> That's right. Although Jake thinks I'm 42. Uh, Troy, who is the new head coach of the Detroit Pistons? Is it Nick Nurse, Monty Williams? I, I can never say this guy's name. The guy that got fired in Boston or Mike Budenholzer? He made Doka. The second one you said. Monty Williams, okay. I like that guy a lot. Uh, all right, number two here, Troy. The Reds overcame a 3-1 deficit to defeat the Red Sox 5-4 last night in Boston. When was the last time, and I certainly don't remember it, that the Reds had a comeback win over Boston? A, 2012, B, 2003, C, 1998, or D, Game 7 of the 1975 World Series? The first one. Don't look now, but here come the Red Legs. Want to give another guess of that, Troy? I certainly don't remember it. 2012, 2003, 98, or 1975? According to how old Jake 75. thinks you are, he might have been there. Ooh, 75. 75? Yes, 75. Okay. Question three for you. Rafael Devers had an RBI double in the loss for the Red Sox, his 200th double of his career, making him the fifth quickest player in MLB history to reach 200 doubles and 150 home runs in terms of games played. He needed just 741 games to reach the milestone. This, by the way, is the longest question in the history of the pop quiz. Mercy. Two players have reached 150 homers and 200 doubles in 659 games, which is the record. One, Indianapolis native and Hall of Famer Chuck Klein. Who is the other? Albert Pujols, Todd Helton, Lou Gehrig, or Hank Greenberg? Did you go through those answers one more time, please? Yes, sir. That would be Albert Pujols, Todd Helton, Lou Gehrig, and Hank Greenberg. I thought he was going to ask you to read the question again. I was like, I don't know if we had enough time, Troy. Uh, Albert Pujols. Okay, here, Troy. Number four, one of the best teams in baseball, the Oakland Athletics. Their two-game winning streak is history as they lost to the Braves yesterday. The A's are a major league worse, 12-46, and and they are trailing the AL West by 24 and a half games. By the way, it's June 1st, and they're 24 and a half games back. <laughs> uh, who leads the AL West, Troy? Is it the Astros, the Angels, the Rangers, or the Mariners? Mariners. Okay. 
Last one here. The um, On this day in 1975, Nolan Ryan pitched his fourth career no-hitter, tying the major league record. He would throw three more, of course, in his Hall of Fame career. Whose record did he tie with his fourth no-hitter on June 1st of 1975? Walter Johnson, Bob Feller, Cy Young, or Sandy Koufax? Let's go Feller. I feel like every answer to a historical baseball pitching question is either Nolan Ryan or Sandy Koufax. Uh, Likewise, if you, by the way, are ever um, watching Jeopardy and the final category is famous documents, it's always Magna Carta. Every time. go Put everything in Magna Carta. Every single time. Is Ken Jennings still doing that? Uh, you know, I watched last night and it was a, it was a female. Oh, I think really? Ken Jen- they, they they rotate, right? Gotcha. I think they rotate. The girl and from with, Big Bang Theory. With kid bedtimes, all of a sudden Jeopardy's not in my nightly routine. It's a big disappointment. Troy, certainly condolences to your father. Appreciate you sharing that story though with us earlier. Uh, Jake, what three for three? Right, got the first three right. Uh, that is correct because he got Monty Williams seventy five and Albert Pujols correct. all correct. Uh, see, uh, correct though. Let's go. Number but, four though, the AL West leaders, not the Mariners. It's the Rangers. Kind of a surprise. Sandy and Koufax. By Sandy way. Koufax for number five. Uh, Mark six years, seventy two million for Monty Williams. Yep. So what was Carlisle? Was Carlisle four for twenty seven? Does that sound right? What's that again? Um, I thought he was eight a year. Actually, Monty Williams is six years, 78.5. So wow. do that again. Six for 78. Six years for 78.5. Okay, so 12-ish. Carlisle 13. was... Six uh, years for 78. You said 78.5? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's... Thir- that's 12 and change, right? 13. 12 times six is 72, isn't it? Yeah, it's. Th- you said six years, 78, didn't you? 0.5, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm always highly impressed with myself. Yeah, so I said 12-ish. No, it's 13 point what yeah million for monty williams carlisle four for 27 does that sound right i thought carlisle was eight million a year i thought it was four for 32 i could be wrong that is wild to me Uh, yeah the 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 price and coaches you mean yeah yeah totally but like what would sports is monty williams the gm did i miss something or is he just purely the basketball coach carlisle's deal was reportedly four years 29 million okay 429 Gosh. So seven point two five for Carlisle. Wow, that is wild. And the Phoenix Suns are like, no thanks, Monty. Go ahead. Uh, so, somebody just said Ken Jennings is out. The woman from the Big Bang Theory is the new host. Oh, for good. I, I guess I don't. I don't know. I watched the other. No, night. you didn't like Ken Jennings, if I remember correctly, right? Uh, smarmy. Just smarmy, like just kind of annoying. I mean, for that smart, how are you not a little bit like that? I, I am convinced. My one conspiracy theory. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. My last name does start with Q. But um, but I think Ken Jennings, when he lost on Jeopardy, I think they paid him off. There's Boy, that's no, a hot take. But that question that he missed, I mean, come was on. Was it Magna Carta? <laughs> How'd you know? The question that he missed was like, this company employs 80% of their employees like temporarily. And I, and I can't... He, he either... It was... I think he said H&R Block, and the answer was FedEx, or one or the other. I I can't remember, but like it was like, wait he a minute. He found his kryptonite. Like, this guy knows everything about everything, and has won like for, he won literally 310 straight episodes, and $55 million, and then they said, well, that's it, you're going to, and he missed that question, come on. 
and he was like totally not stunned and was just like, oh, okay, well, you know, that sucks. I mean, weren't those like the most highest rated Jeopardy shows of all time? Like I mean, who can crazy. dethrone well, him? Well, till, till Jeopardy James and that guy also smarmy, right? Yeah, he was. Vegas guy, right? But Big someone impressed yeah. with himself. I'm surprised you don't like those guys. They seem like they're impressed with themselves. I don't know too. if you know this or not, Mark. This is probably going to stun you. Smarmy people don't like smarmy yeah. people. Uh, there's not a lot of chemistry that takes place at our narcissist conventions. <laughs> I, know I just want to be the best Jake. Probably stunning to you. Shocking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, not a lot of conversation that takes no. place. I see Alexander Rossi wins the hundred seven. No, that, that's, oh, that's not true. That was taped on Thursday. We'll do it Look one online. Final time. Look Kevin online. Clark. I said Newgard. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Miami in the points tonight, or were you saying Miami straight up? I think Miami wins. I'm telling you. Get nine, it looks like, right now for the game one line. I am interested to see how Denver just kind of handles it. You know, you would think there's more pressure on Denver, just frankly, with the time off, home court, and how people view the discrepancy. Again, the second biggest favorite in the finals in 16 years. Uh, appears as though, by the way, the Sun King celebrations postponed. Oh, wow. Yep. What do they got up there? Too many kids playing football out front. No. Um, Mayor Brainerd going away party? Too many people can't make it, apparently. Be a hot night outdoors. Yeah, that's the other thing, too. Be kind of, right? Getting a little steamy here mm-hmm. in Indy. Um, I am, like, happy to see Denver in the finals. I, I don't know. I just feel like when I see the Nuggets, I see the Pacers. Just in terms of a little bit of market, the history of the franchise. And the way that they were built is the way that Indiana needs Ooh, to blueprint, right? It's a dream. You know, Jamal Murray at seven. You know, obviously, Jokic was, was an, just an incredible just hit. But, you know, that, the Michael Porter pick, the trade for Aaron Gordon, some nice ancillary pieces. I'm not going to pretend to know Michael Malone very well. Former Mike Brown assistant, Michael Malone? Um. Say that again. Michael Malone, a former Mike Brown assistant. I think that's how he got his. I didn't realize that. Mike Brown's been everywhere, right? I just think when you look at Denver, we talked about this yesterday. You know, Jokic pays off as a European player that you draft late. Murray, you hit on. And you had to be kind of patient on him because it wasn't like he was a star right out of the box. Porter is, I think, the real coup because they drafted him when he came in coming off the back problems at Missouri. And other teams passed on him. They went ahead and took the flyer. And then the trade for Gordon. And the key to that, I think, is that when you get Gordon, you take him out of Orlando where he is the straw mixing the drink. And he willingly accepts a more, you know, an auxiliary role and is a really good one. And and that's, you got to have that too. So. And, the, and those are the wings. And, and, you know, obviously wings are the answer in the NBA, but they just have a, a stud guard and Murray. Obviously, Jokic speaks for itself, but then with Porter and Gordon, uh, certainly they will get a whole lot of looks on Jimmy Butler in this series. So our coverage will begin tonight at 8 o'clock. Again, tip time, 8.30, coming up here for 
game one. Be out of the Colts Complex tomorrow. They'll have their second open OTA session here of the spring. Again, they made a veteran signing earlier today in Gennard Avery. Uh, certainly not a household resume. Did start 12 games a couple years ago for the Eagles. Um, so Shane Steichen has some familiarity there. But June 1st is a date in the NFL calendar where you start to see a little bit of veteran action. It's a financial reason that plays into that. We talked about it earlier in the show. Um, so keep an eye on that if the Colts do make any moves here in the next couple of weeks. And uh, drinks on Zach Eady tonight in West Lafayette. Oh, we could I could go there and since we're not doing the Sun King deal. Do a little triple X and Harry's action. <laughs> there you go. You might look like Zach Eady afterwards, although he's a carries the 300 pounds very very well he does uh, all right everybody have a great thursday thank you to alan carbick thank you to scott agnes podcast will be up shortly uh enjoy the steamy weather